All right. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the weekly scraps. We got a special guest in the house. Eric Nixick, Coach Eric Nixick. What's up, brother? What's up, my brother? They tried me on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We've been supposed to do this for a while now, so <laughs> finally we're getting it done. Um, so I'm actually really ha happy to have you on, especially with this week's fights. We got the International Fight Week, so we got some big fights coming up. And it's Sunday Fun Day, so of course this podcast is sponsored by Nerd Focus. So we're going to cheers to this. Let you have some of this. That one's warm, so you don't even have to do that one. So we'll, we'll share this Pull one. Pull that one up. Yeah. What do we got in there? We got a little uh, Ray and Nephew. Okay. Give you a little bit of sauce. I think that's solid. Sunday fun day. Cheers. Cheers, brother. Let's go. So, it's not bad. We yeah, actually just had, uh, yeah, with the, <laughs> with the rum, too. Yeah. We had um, Jamal Hill in the house not too long ago showing us some stuff, going over some technique, some things that he does pretty well, which is striking. I'm obviously the grappler. He's more of the, the, the KO artist. Yeah. So that was cool to kind of have him in-house. He was telling me that. So we posted a clip um, with myself sparring with Julian Rosa, mm -hmm. and he was like, uh, yo, brother, he called me up. He's like, do you trust me? He was high as hell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was high yeah, yeah. as hell. He goes, brother, first, first off, first off, do you trust me to give you some, some advice and bless you with some shit? Because you think I know what I'm talking about. I was like, of course, bro. You, you, you're the champ for a reason. Yes. So it was like, there's a couple of things I saw with the striking. And uh, I'm coming out there Sunday. And I want to show you some stuff. And he was showing me through like FaceTime or whatever. And uh, I was like, yo, bro, let's let's link up when you get out here. Fresh off the plane. He got in a couple hours later. He pulled up to the crib and we got some working. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and the stuff he was showing and talking about, especially like with your ideologies of cage control and trying to push guys in the barrier, not to give too much away, but like yeah. what he was showing was, was amazing and spot on. And you know, you have the ability to strike from both stances and kind of, that's what he was alluding to. Yeah. He's good, man. I didn't realize how good he was. Like you, obviously he's winning. He's a champ yeah. for a reason. But then when you see him move like that, you're like, nah, this motherfucker is good. He yeah, is like, just ask legit. JP. <laughs> just ask JP getting a freaking oblique <laughs> kick to the, to the uh, abdomen, big ass red mark on his stomach. <laughs> Yeah. So obviously a uh, big win this weekend, UFC Vegas 40 uh 76. Yeah. Sean Strickland main event taking on a stud. And and I got to be fair, like this kid Magomedov, it was only his second fight in the UFC, which is absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah. So it's a couple of things I was thinking. Either the UFC has a lot of faith in him, they have a lot of faith in Ali, or <laughs> or they just like Sean needs a fight let's get this motherfucker a fight because he keeps asking and we're going to give him somebody uh, so I, I don't know what your takeaways were from that performance yeah so I mean I think it's a combination of everything that you just said right um, I was out in Hawaii when I got the phone call and that was the name that they gave us and of course Sean's like who the fuck is this guy this wait you were in Hawaii I was in Hawaii yeah with the fam Oh, no, no, this was this was before the fight. Oh, this okay. When the fight was offered. Because I remember you were mentioning you know, that, too. I was out in Hawaii in April, you know, and then um, we had Kai and Roth. Um, and then, you know, Sean's like, I don't even know who this guy is. I knew who he was because of, uh, you know, I, I was on that PFL circuit in 2018 with Lance and Vinny. Yeah. So I knew very well who he was. Um, but I, you know, I kind of felt like it was one of those Alex Perea incidents where they're like, <laughs> yo, we're either going to try to push this dude and you, Sean... Or this is where Sean can actually go out and shine. I think it was a combination of both, right? Like, yeah. Like Sean needed to go out and go and perform the way he did if he really wanted a title shot. And uh, but this is also could have been a very much a trap fight for Sean as well. This guy's skilled. Dude, talk about high risk, low reward. I mean, 
and I guess in the case of the curious case of Sean Strickland, it's <laughs> high risk, high reward for everything that he does because yeah. it's just he's just Sean. Like he's gonna fight anyone, anytime, and do the man dance and box, as right. he says. You know, so and he's motivated, and he's and he's public about it. he's motivated by money. Yeah, you know, and and I think most of us are, and especially when you're a prize fighter, <laughs> the the we sat down and and discussed actual numbers and like, hey, what what makes you want to risk your spot in line? amount wise and i said you know if we can get to this amount are you happy with that amount and he was all about it you know yeah. make, making those guys came back with a with, with a flat number which is nice because you know how it is you're fighting for a win and then you know, you're <laughs> fighting for your show and your win bonus uh, but when it, and it when it comes to a time when you're able to fight for flat pay i think it takes a lot of pressure off of a fighter to be honest with you 100 percent. you know so and and the number was great and hey man you, you you down to risk this opportunity for a little bit of coin and he said yeah let's go fight this dude that's what's up, man. And uh, I'm guessing. Wait, so do you manage him, or is it? Him? I don't, but I mean, listen, like Sean. Just kind of giving him advice. Sean will call me for everything, you know. Yeah. And hey, what do you? And and we have a good relationship. He he, he trusts me, um, and I think for from my standpoint, it, you know, there's that that ABC always be coaching, whether it's MMA or it's not. <laughs> Sean's one of those yeah. guys. You're, you're you're kind of always coaching, whether it's etiquette or the way you talk to the team or the way you present yourself. Um, um, again, I'm not very good at it when it comes to press conference, stuff like that, but I think it's important for him to understand that he does have a reach. The things he does say have, have validity, you know, so we got to be careful, man. And, and, and kind of that approach that he has, but when it comes to the fight game stuff, um, you know, he'll, he'll pick up the phone and it will be probably myself and, and Lance from Iridium. will talk to him and then we'll go from there. Okay. Oh, so he's with Iridium. I don't think he's actually with Iridium. I think he kind of just hires Lance. I don't know, to be honest with you. So. I, I, Sean Strickland does what Sean Strickland does. Exactly, That's exactly. it, baby. That's it. You don't listen for shit, though. No. <laughs> you, you know, my first encounter with Sean was not a very pleasant one. As I was training at Syndicate, helping mm -hmm. Marab, and then uh, it was a sparring day. And I was I just came off of a fight. I can't tell you which one it was. Maybe it was the Sanhagen fight. Fresh off of surgery, fresh off of a win. And I've just been pounding drinks. I've just been on the, the Aljamain Sterling oh, yeah. party show. That's yeah. it. The tour bus. And uh, <laughs> I get there, and like they they ask me for a round. I do a round with uh, Shane Shapiro, uh -huh. yeah. and he's a, he's a big dude. Shap yeah. is big, man. Oh, fights yeah. at, Shane's big. Yeah. yeah, he fights at fifty five, and he was a little more in the off season, but mm -hmm. just getting into shape, so he's still heavy, mm -hmm. but in good shape. And man, I, that was a tough first round. Took me down. I got up a couple times, but then he kept Matt returning me. And then they suckered me into two more. And then here's Sean Strickland, the whole first round, the whole second round. Ah, rah, 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 you got to do He's talking. I'm like right there. Right. I'm like, Sean is literally right at the side of the cage. I'm like, Sean, you could you could talk to me. You're like talking to the entire room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are you doing this to me? And I, in my head, I'm like, I ain't no bitch. I'm not about to just quit. Right. But I was so tired and exhausted. I was like, dude. If, it, if he wasn't here just being such a loud mouth on top of me, I probably would have just been like, I am good with one round. I'm done, bro. I'm right. good. I got nothing to prove. Yeah, nothing to prove. I just fought. Yeah. Like, I think I'm, think I'm okay and comfortable with my own skin. Right. But because he kept saying whatever he was saying, I was like, all right, I'm going to do one more. It's going to be a shitty round, but I'm going to sack up and I'm going to do another one. And I think we did three that day. But it was, I, I told myself, after this day, I got to come back here. And I got to get Shane back. Even yeah. if I don't win the, the sparring, it's more about giving a better version of myself. Correct. And... Yeah, that was just not a very pleasant experience of Sean. I was like, I can't wait till someone fucks this guy up. But but <laughs> but let me ask you this though, like his his way of motivating, 
is like off-putting, but probably he's like actually trying to get the best out of you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's like, it's just this brash asshole off-putting way of doing things. But he does it to a lot of guys in the room, and they challenge. It challenges dudes, right? Hundred percent. I like, agree. Hey, I'm gonna go in there, and I'm gonna fucking show Sean what's up. And then at the end of it, he's like proud of you. He's happy you went back in there and did it. Yeah. And he'll give you your your your, your shine for it. You know. He will. He will. Because he definitely did that after I beat Jan in the second fight. He was like, I gotta tell you, bro. I didn't think there was any chance you were winning that fight. <laughs> oh, let I was you like. Know. Oh, thanks, Sean. <laughs> yeah. I, thanks for being, like, uh, I guess a kind of teammate, but I guess right. that's cool. But <laughs> This is the thing about Sean that I think, you know, everybody that you know now because you've been around him long enough. He, I like him now. He, I, he's right. he's growing I mean, on me. And, and I think I, it's funny because, I mean, they, when people first meet him, <laughs> they're like, I think I'm going to hate this motherfucker. And then all of a sudden over time, you know, you're like, this guy's actually a pretty good dude. He's a good teammate. He wants the best for you. But what I love about him in this day and age, you know – what you're going to get from him, whether, I mean, he's the realest dude you're going to meet. 100%. Right? He's not going to lie to you. He's not going to talk shit behind your back. He's going to tell you right to your face. And a lot of that stuff he tells you is actually things you need to hear. Yeah. You know? He actually told Jake that he looks, what was the actual word that he used? Sean. Yeah. The F-A-G. Was it an F-A-G? Because <laughs> he had a bubble jacket on, a bubble vest? Yeah, just a regular, yeah, like a Carhartt vest. Oh my God! It's like, why do you dress like that, bro? Supposed to produce his podcast, so I introduced him to the PI, and he just starts fucking. Hey, that means he likes you, bro. Once you hit that roast status, you're in. Yeah, but see, the only issue I had with that day was with the Shane sparring session was, it made me want to have a vendetta against Shane, even though I knew Shane was a great (laughs) dude. It wasn't Shane. Nothing to do with Shane. Shane's catching Shane. Yeah, for no reason. (laughs) And even though Shane still puts, like, he still gives me really good rounds, but uh. It was my first interaction with the guy. I'm like, Sean, I, I don't know you from a hole in the wall. You're right. talking to me like I'm some, like, peasant. I'm like, damn, dude, you must be, like, really good. Because the last I checked, like, he was still working his way up, obviously. For sure. Um, but, yeah, now he's here. Sean's arrived. And uh, it's cool It's cool to see. And, obviously, uh, even with his backstory, seeing a lot of things that he grew up with and now how he's changed and understood and understands how the real world works yeah. and how it's outside of that bubble he kind of grew up in. For sure. And it's nice. And even his brother is a really nice guy. I watched two of the main events with him now. The last one that he won, I think yeah. it was Brendan Allen or uh, was somebody the, else. The last main event was It was Eminoff. at Apex. Imanov. Imanov, yeah, yeah. I watched that one with on him. Four-day notice. Yeah, and then I watched this one with him yeah. as well. No, his brother's really cool. And his sister, too. Like, they're, they're good people. Oh, that was his sister. Yeah, well, well, I don't think his sister was at this fight. But okay, I okay. his sister before, too. Yeah, so... I just have to break break that story of like yeah I had a very awkward interaction with Sean and uh, no I really like the guy. He could be a little brash, but it, I think it you it's an acquired taste. That, that, bro, you stole the words out of my mouth, man. He's, it's he's an acquired, an acquired taste. taste, and it's one of those things. It's like once you're around him enough, and, and and look, man, like my my role in the gym is to create some sort of harmony, right? Like I'm basically like the John Madden of of MMA of the 1970s Oakland Raiders. We have outlaws, renegades, you know, everybody kind of does their thing. But um, my job is to try to keep it cohesive and keep yeah. us all getting along. But, you know, at the end of the day, having this the amount of talent we have in that room, right? Like, you know, you got like, I would look over last week and it's you and Patchy Mix. 
sharing the mat together, right? Yeah. You know, then you got Kai Kamaka, you got Dan Ige, Julian Arosa, Jeremy Kennedy at the 45. Yeah, like, like the, the room is just amazing. Not everybody's always going to get along or see eye to eye on certain things, but when you understand the gravity of how nice it is to have the level of training partners we have under that roof, you have to make sure that you're creating this, this harmony so we all get along and train. Yeah, for sure. 100%. But I was really proud of him, man, because I know he was saying he got hit with a couple Peter Pan kicks. I thought that was the funniest thing. I was like, because I am I literally get up and start doing Peter Pan kicks. Like, poyo, poyo, poyo. Because that's exactly what he was getting kicked with. But I was like, man, those look like they hurt. Yeah, but, so we we knew, when I say we know, but um, our thought process was, you know, when we sit down and you and I do it all the time, we sit down lay out a game plan or thoughts, then we'll break ourselves down and kind of see what the approach they might have for us. And um, that was that was it. Like, look, a boost, there's no reason why he's fighting a main event. There has to be a lot of added pressure on him. He's probably going to come out hot and heavy, right? So, hey, footwork, movement, feints, stay on your stick. But all the while, any good work that we get in that first round, especially if we can get some wrestling exchanges in. I, I want you to taste this one separately. So when you, when you finish that one. I remember my first drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't even want to start that with me, bud. You're right. I got a title fight. If you're going to run with the big dog, can't piss like a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so that was a lot of the game plan was like, hey, let's get in some of those wrestling exchanges, some clinch exchanges. Let's tax on them a little bit in that first round. We thought rounds one and two were going to be kind of that same complexion. But... Um, Towards the end of the first round, maybe the last thirty seconds, did you notice a boost's body language kind of like oh change immediately slow down, man? And it was really Sean didn't hit him with anything. You could just see that I think that adrenal dump, the fact that like he couldn't get him out of there, the fact he wasn't hurting him, the fact he took him down, he couldn't hold him down. It was like all that thing combination of was like boom. <laughs> so when we got Sean in the corner, um, I mean, I just simply said, bro, I know we didn't win that round. But for the complexity of a five-round fight, easy. that was exactly what we wanted. And I didn't know if that was going to be the same look for round two, but I thought Sean would start to pick up the pace. That's what we picked up on. And then, you know, Sean laced him with the right hand. I think right yeah. at the start of that, that second round, it was just downhill from there. Yeah, I know there was one that buckled him, and he kind of started to reel backwards. And it was interesting because I thought he was going to go to the body because he was covering up so Come well up on, top. right? But Hit it was like Sean just wanted to just punch him in the face. I was like, Sean just wants to torture this guy. He doesn't even, Almost like he felt like he wanted to show him that he did not belong in there with him. Yeah, that's de- kind of the, by a the, thousand paper cuts. Yeah, you know? I was just like, damn, this guy was just trying to punch him. Yeah. Like, punch him in the body, make him take a seat, and end the fight. Oh, Aljo, I'm screaming, bro. Throw like, hit him to the body once just to get his hands to drop, you know? Yeah. Even, even teep it or, or throw something up the midline and – but, yeah, you're right. I mean, Sean had that flurry, and I think if I remember at one point he hit him with like a four or five piece against the cage. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it really any of them ever landed. But you know how it is when a guy covers that heavy, he's coming back with something huge. And, you know, credit to Sean and his defense, his eyesight. He pulled off those hooks quite a bit and was able to recounter. Yeah, because some of them came back with some heat. And I was Man. like, damn, good thing he got out of the way of yeah, those. Yeah, exactly. I, I just think Sean has the potential to challenge for a world title maybe impossibly become a champion. But the only way I can see that happening is, and I'm going to still line from Dana White, he has to get out of his own way in the sense of yep. trying to be too much of a macho man yep. and use more diversity in his offensive attacks. I'm not saying get away from the boxing because it works, mm-hmm. but in situations where you got a guy hurt and he's covering up well, okay, why are we being stubborn with the up top? 
Let's maybe start to attack something a little bit different to give the guy something else to talk, um, think about, Correct. and then we can attack something else and Correct. get back on what we were doing before. Because yeah. a guy like Izzy, um, Robert, uh, Robert Whitaker, those guys are going to be super dynamic in, yeah. in their approach and versatile, like just a different diversity of uh, attacks that they're going to bring to the to the octagon is going to be very challenging for a guy who's coming in there primarily to box and has a great gas tank. Agreed. You know, so. Yeah. Again, I think he has all the tools in the world to become great. It's just whether or not he wants to be the showman or be the guy who gets his hand raised. He can still be a showman. I think I think both could be cohesive. I think he could do both. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, let, let's be honest, man. That's Izzy and Rob are the cream of the crop. They're one A and one B when it comes to that division, with yeah. an uh, um, unbelievable all around skill set. You know, I, and I think too, like kind of coming from the Francis Naganu mold. You know, Izzy's doing things behind the scenes to shore up the things that he might not have been as, as great at. Um, but he has those, you know, training camps and off seasons where I would expect a guy like Izzy, the champ that he is, the camp that he's at, that he's working on the, all those little holes 100%. to shore up, you know. And, you know, just kind of from the same model as what happened with Francis, we were knocking dudes out. But what were we doing in the meantime? I mean, you were at those practices. Francis was doing taking everybody down every practice. Yeah. I mean, how many practices do you see just Francis mauling dudes on the ground? He's a big guy. He's a big guy. <laughs> but, I mean, it got it's to the big, point where Francis would take guys down or like, dude, you got to let them back up. The guy can't get up. You yeah. know? But there's a difference between what we're seeing in the room versus what's actually happening in the fight. So we're, what we're putting on tape is my point, and what the general public might see is, hey, this guy's just a knockout artist. Well, you know, Izzy, I guarantee you that dude is working on all those little things and the nuances of the game stay ahead of the curve you know so it's we got our we got our work cut out for us man yeah, for sure and but i like i said i think it's he can achieve those things and uh i look to guys like i always i hate that i always use this reference like michael bisming probably not yep. the most talented guy in the world yep. but super persistent stay on the yeah, yeah just, just won't yeah. go away yep. great cardio confident confident good fundamentals yep. eventually got his opportunity and made the most out of it exactly i mean you know shit Luke might win 99 out of those fights, but, dude, all we need it's is that just one, one shot. You know, that one and you're a world champion for the rest of your life. Exactly. That's exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. I mean, dude, I, I love the Matt Sarah story. You know, speaking of a guy, like, you know, Matt had his opportunity, and he made the most of it. It's so crazy. We got we got three guys from Long Island that became a world champion. It's nuts. And we have a fourth that could potentially be a world champion in Marab. Yeah. And we had five in the sense that Al fought for a world title, you know, 24 hours notice against – who people consider one of the greatest lightweights of all time against Khabib um, and went the distance with him. So, yeah, I think the sport's all about opportunity, man. It's not always about what you deserve. Sometimes it's about what you can negotiate and what you could do with that opportunity. Agreed. Agreed, man. <clears throat> um, before we get into UFC 290, it's 291, right? Two. Oh, yeah, 291. Yeah. <laughs> That's Boston, bro. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. You want to go to the bar, bro? <laughs> <laughs> That's the Boston talk right there. You're gonna hear a lot of guys say, "I'm by." Where's the car? Why? Why are you looking at me? Because <laughs> I, I was asking you. Is it 291? Yeah. 291, right? Yeah. Or 290? I think it's 290. Because I think there's a. I think yeah. 291. Salt Lake, right? Salt Lake. I think they're doing a pay per view for that. Yeah. With the BMF belt. BMF belt. Okay. Yep. yep. 290. Okay, so we got UFC 290. But um, should we do this one first, or did you have the questions you want to do first? Well, which one do you think we should do first? Let's do the fights first. Okay, let's do the fights. So let's just let's do 
Let's give us some interesting ones first. Let's start with the main event, obviously. Volkanovski versus Yair Rodriguez. I know. It's a pretty it's a pretty nice card. Yeah. I told Sean let's fight on this card. He didn't want to fight on this card. I was like, nah, I'm fighting I'm fighting August Night Teeth. <laughs> I was like, Oh, you wanna rush me? Now when I rush you, you don't want to do it. I could have made the weight, like it wouldn't be fun, but I would have done it just to prove a point. Like you wanna test my gangster? I'll show you what's up. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you what's up. All right. Something about this fight has me leaning towards Yair, man. Really? And it's because I'm a heavy kicker, mm. and I know what that shit feels like. Mm. And I just feel like Yair's got some something up his sleeve, or should I say, should I say uh, up his shorts, yeah. <laughs> that's going to surprise Volk. And the range, I think he's going to bring something different to the game. I think if Yair's doing the right homework, Staying long with those kicks and staying on his feints, I think it's going to be very, very difficult for Volkanovski to get inside and land those big overhands. Even though he's got great feints, I just I favor the kicker because not like Volk is a great wrestler mm-hmm. who could, who's looking to take you down and hold you down. But even if he does take him down, I mean, Yair's been looking like a world beater off of his back, especially in that last fight yeah, with you Josh Emmett. Lying, man, yeah, no, I I I think this fight's going to be a lot closer than people think. Than people think. Um, I think there's a little value if you're a better on Yair. Don't be don't be mad if you lose a hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> but um I do think it's a lot closer than what the odds are saying. But dude, I gotta lean towards Volk, man. Like I I just every time out, this guy's got a new wrinkle in his game. He's showing something different. Um It's almost like betting against Mayweather. I feel. <laughs> you know, look, man, like when you get a guy who's a champion for, for such a long time, um, we always just you know, not saying we root for the underdog, but we're always trying to find ways that this guy might get beat and then just go out and just beat the living shit out of somebody. You're like, ah, oh, it's Volkanovski, you know? Yeah, I like that, though. Yeah, I like that. me too. I don't I mean, shit, we were the underdog for a lot of them, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think that the kick game, yes, that, that that's going to be evident and apparent. I think really for me is how Volkanovski is going to funnel and control geography to limit some of the lateral movement and spins and maybe close down some of the kicks or utilize Yair's kicking to do the takedowns off of the kicks, right? Yeah. Now, yes, Yair's done a great job off of his back. He's very offensive off his back. Like like something that I've been taking note to, like, dude, he's dropping elbows, he's active off his back, and he's, you know, he's throwing up triangles, he's doing things, and then if it's not working, he's working his way back up. This kind of reminds me of that because he had that one beatdown with Frankie Edgar. That was the one that stands out to me a lot. And he changed everything yep. since that day, it seems like. Well, now his, his off his back has urgency, mm-hmm. right? In the Frankie fight, he had no urgency. He was just kind of laying there, right? So, you know, sometimes it's it like takes a fish that, out on land. Right. But, I mean, like, sometimes it takes that ass whooping to go, dude, I'm going back to the drawing board and getting better at those things, you know? And he's, I think, simplified his game. Maybe came up with one or two submissions that he's like, I'm just going to focus on these. I'm going to focus on triangles yeah. and some elbows out of there. And, and if it doesn't work, I'm kicking off and getting up. Yeah, I, I, I always tell people, if you're going to get taken down, you got to be dangerous off your back. You can't just be there to just get laid on and have the, the fight stalled. And I hate when people say the word stalled because that would mean both guys aren't doing anything. And I feel like if I take you down and you're on your back, the onus is on you to get yeah, up yeah. or look for something offensive off of your back to make me create space or to help you create space. So you could get out of this position because I'm being offensive, yep. even though I might not be offensively striking or whatever. 
but I am offensively dominating the position. What are you doing other than looking up at the ref and saying, hey, can you get up. this man off of me so I can stand up? Dude, if this was in a street fight, people would tell me, like, oh, if you shoot like that in a street fight and you stay on your knees, you're going to get kicked in the head. Dumbass. This ain't a street fight. Yeah. You think I'm going to do that in a street fight? Like, exactly. let's be real here. Like, there's some type of, uh, like, just, you got to have some type of wits about you. So if you're playing the game and you're laying down and, like, your your game is, uh, I get taken down, I'm going to try to look to the ref and then I'm getting beaten up. It's, that's a bad angle to take and approach. I think you got to be mentally and physically proactive about if I get taken down, what are my steps to get back up to my feet or to change the, the position to give me a better chance of winning the, the fight or getting back some time to even up the scorecards and maybe make it difficult for the judges to decide who won that round. Yeah, exactly. And I think, like, when you go back and watch guys like John Fitch and Jake Shields. Yeah. And, dominant. You know, dominant. But, you know, it might not be aesthetically pleasing to the fan and the, the promoters might not like it. But, dude, how hard is it to hold another grown-ass man down for 15 or 25 minutes straight? And then, you know, GSP kind of revolutionized that a little bit too. The way his style of ground and pound, he'd take guys down, but he had a very active ground and pound. He wasn't anchored in, he kind of floated on dudes, right? Yeah. So he was very active when it came to his ground and pound. So he, he felt like he got away with that. Then you get guys like Kobe Covington, man, where he just mauls people. You know, he just mauls people on the ground. And then, you know, the extent of cardio that you have to have to be able to do that. Yeah. So, you know, it's important. And then, and then I think for us, like, you know, in, in our room, we, we, you know, we do our 15-second get-ups, right? Like, you got 15 seconds to get this dude off of you. It's urgent. You have to move. You have to move. You have to get up. So when you're on your back, you know, make it a purpose to get up and, and not just lay there and just, you know, the round's all of a sudden gone because you laid on your back the whole time. Yeah. And I remember watching some of the Kobe Covington fights, and I when he was leading up to the fight with, uh, who was it, uh, uh, I think it was the Usman rematch. I legit watched from his UFC debut all the way until he fought Usman the first time. And I would take clips of every single takedown and I would put it down in my, my notes. <clears throat> I brought it to the room and I, I was teaching the MMA wrestling class at uh, Law MMA. And we would run through all the situations that he would do, stepping over the leg. The mm -hmm. guy steps back. You're going to turn it in the other way, pinch the legs, both legs come together, clasp the legs, take them down. All these sequences, because this is how much I like to study the game, yep. just to even try to improve what I'm doing. I'd watch Khabib, I watched a whole marathon of all these guys. You invite Jamal Hill to your house. Invite Jamal Hill to my <laughs> house. Like people don't understand how much time I actually put into the sport, and sometimes you could get a little burnt out. This is like obviously separate from what we're talking about, but sometimes that could take a lot out of you mentally, mm -hmm. um, and that's why I was kind of like, dude, like. After this fight, I had so much things with Henry, so many things planned out that I just wanted to decompress mm -hmm. and stop thinking about fighting for once because I do so much to get to the fight and prep myself to mentally get ready for battle. And I had that just kind of ripped it from underneath my legs. And now I'm like, okay, this time you motherfuckers are not doing this to me again. Yeah. I'm going to fight, even though it's, a, it's literally against my will. And right. people could say whatever... If Dana were to hear this, Hunter were to hear this, they would say, oh, we're not making him do anything. Like, <laughs> yeah. let's be real here, bro. Yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on, dude. Like, you, you kind of are. Right. You kind of are. And let's call a spade a spade. Like, I, and I'm not trying to say what, like, all the behind-the-scenes thing, because that would be bad business on my part. But you kind of are making me fight sooner than I want to, because, like I said, I still have injuries. 
that I'm still nursing to this day. And I'm, I'm not going to stop saying that. Like, people right. can get mad at me. Oh, you're, you're disclosing that you're not 100% healthy. No one is healthy going into the fight. Yeah, exactly. And clearly, I just fought. Henry just pulled out of the fight because he's not 100% healthy. I wonder where that happened. What did we have in the Yon fight, the first fight? It was your neck and your shoulder. And my right? neck and my bicep. Bicep, that's what it was. Yeah. Bicep for the Yon rematch. So bicep for the TJ fight. Did you ever bicep talk for about the Henry like how fight. daily you and I would text <clears throat> daily? What are we doing today? Yeah. Because it really was predicated on how your how body my neck was, was feeling. Yeah, how you felt that day. And I got through so many training camps like that, and I'm like, people who don't want to give me credit, I'm like, dude, you can say whatever you want. I like, I'm comfortable in my own skin. I don't need to preach to people. And, oh, feel sorry for me. Like, I chose to do this, you yeah, know? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And it's the same thing. I'm choosing to do this again. I could simply tell these guys, no, don't fucking call my phone. I'm right. not fighting. Right. I could do that. But, again, behind-the-scenes stuff, you know, they have their ways to kind of make you, okay, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this for <laughs> you guys again. Yeah. Even though I'm not going to get any thank yous for it, but I'm going to do this for you guys again, and hopefully this has some type of good faith going to the future, mm-hmm. and... Please, after this, let me enjoy my life a little bit and yeah. enjoy the fruits of my labor. Yeah. Even if I say win or lose, like I, honestly, I'm at that point. I, people say, "Oh, that's a negative mindset to think." I go, "No, dude, it's reality. This is the fight game. Anything can happen. Yeah. Like on paper, I should smash this guy. Mentally here, I'm gonna smash this dude. Right. But for the unforeseen event that he were in the one percent chance to to win, the one chance that he has of catching me with something to win." Mm-hmm. Dude, life goes on. Yeah. And right. at the end of the day, just please let me enjoy my downtime. That's right. that's all I'm asking for. Let me heal up. Let me for once get back to 100% so I can get back to semi Aljamain circa day 28 years old before yeah, I was yeah, really yeah. getting banged up all the time. Yeah. And that that would be nice, you know. I would like to feel good going into a fight and um that's that's pretty much it. But I forgot what we were even talking about before that. Uh I don't even know what it was. But I, like, like I said, even just to end that rant, like I'm gonna fight. It is what it is, and I have people telling me even to this day, which could be a little annoying. Oh, you could beat this guy even on your worst day, dude. Sean O'Malley is fucking good, dude. He's good. Bro. He's good. He's good. He's well coached. I love. I mean, I, I I've been watching this kid for years. Yeah, his, and I don't. I don't need is, to. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 dangerous, bro. Yeah. there's a reason why he's fighting for a title. 100. percent He you know? even though he had a cakewalk to the title. I won't deny the fact that he is actually talented and he's very, very, very skilled. And I do know, but once I get to the close that distance, and if I get my hands around underneath his cheeks, pause, and I take him down, <laughs> that fight should be as good as over. Right. But I wouldn't be surprised if he pulls a Volkanovski and does his homework and the fight's more interesting than it's supposed to be. Right. But again, I also look at the other stuff, the outside factors, like, again... And I'm not trying to lean and make excuses or whatever. It's it's my job. If I decide to make that walk and go in there, it's on me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make excuses. I'm not going to be TJ Dillashaw. Hey, guys, I'm sorry, man. My shoulder was bummed. That's why he kicked my ass. If he kicked my ass, he kicked my ass. Mm-hmm. We say any place, anywhere, anytime. And if it's this place, this time, and this place, and he beats me, he beats me. Mm-hmm. If I beat his ass, like I said, I told you so, don't call my phone. Yeah, I think what's tough is, too, like like... I watched like all the work. Like you took TJ very seriously. Very. I mean, like it was like this is the the probably like at the time, you know. I mean, every fight's going to be the most serious at that moment, right? Yeah. But I mean, you know, the two Yon fights and the the TJ fight, bro. Like you were dialed in, all camp, and we did like every morning we did those drills and everything else. And the, I mean, it's. It, I think it kind of sucks. My point is, is that like, you know, 
you did all the things you did right. You won the way you won, and then like they almost kind of try to take it away from you. Because yeah, I was like, oh, I was I was hurt. <laughs> it's, yeah, you know, it's annoying, man. It really is, and it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Like, I don't game. expect all the fans to understand what goes into this behind the scenes. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> even on TJ's best day, I could have tied a hand behind my back. I really do not think he was beating me that day. Yeah, you were on point, with, man. With all the prep that we did. Not that day. It would have taken a freaking meteorite to strike down on this earth to take me out of there. I really do believe that. Um, but, yeah, this is what I'm saying. Going back to, like, Yair and Volk, I truly do think uh, anything can happen because I think I, – I don't, I don't think Volk thinks like this, like he's comfortable. I think he's pissed off for greatness still mm. because he. Almost, I almost feel like if I'm him, he might still feel like he's not getting the respect that he deserves. Maybe because of his weight class, maybe because he's such a nice guy. Yeah, interesting. And I feel people should be talking about him way more, uh -huh. but his popularity to me doesn't seem like it should be where it should be. Sure. I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I, I think you're right, and a, and a lot of the extent of like you know what is he number <clears throat> two now for in pound for pound should possibly should be, be number, number one. one. Right. I agree. Respect to John Jones, but should probably be number one based on his activity. Did you have him beating Islam? Did we watch that fight back again? We watched it with Nassim. Sadikov. <laughs> and he agreed to that. He was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we had him on camera agreeing too. Yeah. I That fight to me, at worst, for Islam is a draw. Draw. I don't, I don't see how you can make the case for Islam winning that fight. And that's respectfully. And I know this. I get a lot of Dagestani guys that watch this and they think like I hate the Dagestani. I don't no, hate that. I love those guys. Yeah. But because I'm not being biased towards your prejudice, not, I don't want to say prejudice, that's the wrong term. I don't want to be biased towards their bias. I just right. put it, that's the best way to put yes. it. They're very biased yes. where you could do something good and they won't even give you credit. There's right. like, no, right. we're the best, brother. Brother, yeah, we're yeah, the yeah. best. We're the yeah. best. That's it, brother. You don't deserve to be. Alhamdulillah. It's just like. Abus is German. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's crazy to me. It's like, dude, you guys could be a little like, it's okay to give credit where credit is due. Exactly. Like Volkanovski did a great job in a fight that was supposed to be really dangerous for him against the second coming of Khabib and arguably won the fight mm -hmm. it's it's okay to say the judges gave it to islam but it's okay to also acknowledge that hey man there is a case that volkanasi could have actually won that fight agreed based on how you're looking at it it, it wasn't a robbery no by not any at means, all not at all but i had it for volkanasi uh -uh. you know I had, I had him winning the fight yeah we went back and we watched it and i was like wow volk actually won this yeah and then they were saying, oh, this is what Nas was saying. He was like, oh, because he had his back and he was punching him in the face and taunting to the crowd. I was like, yeah, brother. Like, if I hold your back and, like, we're judging this on the fight, if at the end of the fight you come out with the bruises and you're hugging my back and nothing happens to me and you're, you got punched in the face and the kids in the cafeteria sees us. It's about damage. Who, who you think they're going to be like, exactly. oh, you got fucked up, it's bro. About, it's about damage. Yeah. Yeah. And the way he ended that fight. Yeah. Volkanovski doesn't get the credit that he deserves. And this is why for me, and I, I don't like bringing it to me all the time, but in this case, I do believe if I beat Sean O'Malley, when I beat Sean O'Malley and I make the exit, I take some time to, not I'm taking John Jones three years. I don't need three years. Right. I want to do this in my prime before I get older. If he does win against Yair, mm -hmm. that's a tough fight. If I get bigger, fill out, do it the right way, and for me to beat a guy like that, or even just to step in there with a guy like that, of his stature and all the things that he's achieved 
Dude, that's a legacy fight, man. 100%, bro. And, dude, yeah. that that to me gives me, like, goosebumps. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm dude, you, that's a scary fight, a dangerous fight, but a fight that changes history. Right. And and look, bro, it's it's not like you're, you're being like, oh, I'm going to smoke this dude or anything like that. It's about being the competitor that you are. That's it. That's it, man. I just want to compete against the best. I mean, like, even for me, like, that's where I was so upset. I would say upset, but, like, disappointed in the fact that we never got the shot of francis versus john oh it had nothing to do with like oh we're gonna smoke him is this dude i just wanted to compete it can still happen i mean it can still happen right it can still happen <laughs> it can still happen if dana sure. white wants it to happen It'll ha- it could happen it can still yeah. happen but i mean as the the competitor i mean i think john jones is number one pound for pound goat right yeah like, like what he's done and what he's achieved over the years of course yes of course. um who the hell doesn't want to compete against the best and if we got beat Hey man, we lost against the best to ever do it. That's it. That's it. But dude, I want to fucking put my best foot forward, put the best game plan that we can, get our guy prepared the best that we can, and go out there and see what happens. And that's how I felt against TJ. Right. And that's how I felt against Jan. When I call, I called to fight Jan after I fought San Hagen. Before I fought San Hagen, I fought Jimmy Rivera. Mm-hmm. Nah, Jimmy Rivera. Then I fought Pedro Munoz. Mm-hmm. Get my surgery on my my uh, my wrist. I tore my uh, scaphoid lunate ligament. And I, this is all the mobility I have in my wrist. It doesn't, it barely bends. So when I shoot a double leg, I could barely hold on to the leg because I can't flex my wrist all the way. Sean Shelby comes up, and I think it's okay for me to talk about this. It's so many years removed. Who do you want to fight? Marlon Marais, uh Corey Sanhagen, or Piotr Jan? Give me Piotr Jan. He goes, okay. A couple of days later, your fight is Corey Sanhagen. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's the, that's the one fight I did not want. But that was during COVID, right? That was during, uh, we fought during COVID. During but COVID. I think he asked me before COVID started. Mm. But that's the one fight I was like, this is the toughest fight out of all three. I was like, Sean, I'm going to be real with you. This is the toughest fight. Corey Sanhagen is the toughest fight out of, yeah, out of these three guys. Dog. And I want to fight the guy that you guys are considering the boogeyman that I don't think is the boogeyman right. because I think it does more for me. And I was like, let me beat Peter Jan. And then fight Marlon Marais in a rematch right. for the title. Yeah. That's the way I saw it. Right. He gives me Corey saying, hey. <laughs> yeah. I mean, shit, it all worked out in the long run, right? It, it did. It did. Thankfully, yeah, I took that serious, man. I Like, when he did that, I was like, oh, you gave me the guy that you know. Right. I said I did not want to fight. Like, I, like I, wanna, I would fight him, but I did not want to fight him at that point. I was like, uh, if you give me an option out of these three guys, I'd right. pick this guy. The stationary guy who walks forward and pretends he's like super, super tough and oh, he's gonna walk you down. He's collecting data. Give me that guy. Yeah. Not not to jump too far ahead, but what do you think about that San Hagen and, and uh Umar. Umar fight? There's that's a lot Nashville, of Nashville, right? Nashville. Nashville. Uh-huh. Uh there's a lot of question marks. And that's how much better has Corey Sanhagen's defense have gotten? Mm-hmm. I can't see Umar wanting to play the striking game. I mean, I'm, I, he can strike. Mm-hmm. I think he's a better version of striking to against Khabib than mm-hmm. Khabib. But I don't know how much and how long he's willing to strike for on the feet. Mm. And then we also have to wonder, Ali was saying, like, yeah, brother, he can go five rounds for sure. No, that's not a question about it. But he's the manager. He should be saying that, right? Correct, yeah, of course. Um, so you got to take it with a grain of salt. I'm not saying it's not true. But it's going to be his first main event slot where Corey Sanhagen has kind of been proven in that point. He, yeah. We know he can go the distance if needed. And uh, we know he's got the gas tank for it. Um, whether or not Umar's the real deal, I think he's super talented. I think he's easily top five. Mm-hmm. Um, 
or should I say, I think he can easily give anyone in the top five a run for their money and probably beat them. But with that being said, it's what have you done for me lately? And that's the big question mark for me. I I have a hard time going against the grappler, yeah. who is Umar. Yeah. But at the same time, it's a hard, hard way for me to go against a guy who's been proven. He's fought grapplers. He's shown that he can grapple, shown that he's willing to adapt and change his game and not just be a one-dimensional striker um, who switches stances a lot and is willing to get gritty with the grappling and Corey Sanhagen. And that, for me, is the question mark. Whose gas tank is going to hold up? Who's going to be able to impose their will? And I think that's what it comes down to. Because, man, I I almost feel like I robbed the bank taking down Corey and getting yeah, to his bag and right throwing right the hooks away. in right away. Yeah, right away. But I think Umar does a great job of getting to the back as well. Mm. And that's that's the thing. It's like, can he do it the way I did it? Right. I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, man, I think I think it's all going to be predicated on Corey's footwork. Yeah. You know, and just getting that lead leg out of the way and changing his stances I think is going to benefit him because of, you know, what what type of fit in Umar is going to try to have, have to try to find. And Corey walks you into traps, man. He does a very good job of those drop steps, you know, pressure release, opening the gap like we saw against Frankie inviting you in and setting those traps with the knees and other yeah. things at the midline. He does a very good job with that. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a very interesting fight. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that one. And if Umar wins, then I can see how they would try to leapfrog Marab for that. But at mm. the same time, um, I feel like Marab has to be the next guy. So they better not try to fuck my, my, my boy. Um, and I, that's why I even told Marab after this, after his fight with Giannis, I said, call for the title, bro. And I was in the corner with him. I said, bro, call yeah. for the title. Yeah. Call for the title, dude. Yeah. I want you to because we already know what's up. After this, I have no desire to really cut down to 135 anymore. I'm over it, bro. Yeah, I'm 100% man. over that shit. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. So, dude, your cuts are crazy. Dude, 35 pounds. I know, bro. Your 35 cuts pounds. Are, are fucking crazy. You and Stamen. Like, I look at Stamen at times. I'm like, how in the hell are you guys getting down to 35, bro? Yeah. It's nuts. He's a fire hydrant himself. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. I'm like, uh, it's going to be a good fight. I'm looking forward to it. But um, just going back to Yair. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we ran a little bit. You know what I mean? We had a couple. Hey, we, we, had we, a couple. We, pull, we pulled the Joe Rogan. We pulled the Joe Rogan. We made a full circle. <laughs> All right, well, hold on. We got Pantoja and uh, Moreno. Can, we give, can, I, can I ask for a prediction? I like both. You I, I say Volk by decision. I, I, why is it crazy? Because Yair, like, Yair is so scary. It's like, just think, like, how does Volk get through that? It's fucking Volkanowski. No, I know, but, like, that's how <laughs> it is. It's like, I don't know. No, I, yeah, you know hey, listen, I mean? sometimes, like, when you get the timing and the timing's right, Yair's cough, I mean, everything that he's doing, bro. But look, I mean, he fought Max Holloway, what, two fights ago? <sighs> Right, like, that was a war. It's a war, oh. you know, and, and he beats Ortega, arguably like Ortega, the you know all these things. He looked amazing against Emmett, right? But how did Emmett look against Ilya? So I'm not taking discrediting or taking anything away from Yair. I'm just on that Volkanovski train, man. Yeah, but to to, to that point, I just feel like Emmett is so one dimensional with just the heavy looping boxing strikes that he throws. Yeah. Where Taporia is more, I'm going to use a jab, more fundamentally sound. Agreed. Stylistically, I feel, especially after the the punishment that Yair put on him, kick heavy. Man, even like a Giga Chikaze, who kicks a lot too. You know, that, those are dangerous fights for a guy like Emmett. Do you who ever primarily feel boxes. like some, some fights will carry over for you into the next fight? My question would be like, 
the Cater Emmett fight was a fucking war. Yeah. And then you throw him right back in with Yair. Is there any like kind of I don't know carryover? I guess like would you think in terms of damage? Yeah, damage. I mean, oh, hundred percent. Like, body, you're like fuck, and then you're going back right back 100%. into another one, and you know, I'm not saying they're forcing him into it, but I mean, you know, he, he had that knee injury, so he's out for a while. I think it was Danny fought. He fought Ige right after the leg yeah. injury, you know, and that was another close fight. You know, he fought Dan, and, and um, it was a, it was a decision that. You know, it was it was close. Could have could have gone either way. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Dan should have done could have done more in round three. I think that there was no means of robbery, but it was a close fight. Um, and then the Cater fight again, equally as close. And then boom, you're right back in with Yair right after that. I wonder if a little bit of that carryover of damage is is affecting them. You know, very. I think is 100 percent factual, especially when they're main event fights, five right, round fights, five round war. People bro. think that. Uh, like, even my fight with Sayuto, oh, you look fine. There's nothing wrong with your face, so you're fine. It's like, not about the It's not. It, bro, it's not the 25 minutes, though. You know, you, you got to think. Like, you did eight weeks of wear and tear in the room. Ten for me. Right, but, I mean, no one no one ever gets to see the actual work that gets put in prior to you getting in the fucking cage. That's the thing for me as a coach is when I'm I get to see all that stuff. I know what – Hey, bro, I, I can't hit pads today. I can't do this practice today. This is banged up. I'm going yeah. to see this doctor. And then we just fucking duct tape you and throw you in the cage, and that's the finished product, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's been times where even with us hitting pads and I kick the pad, I'm like, dude, I can't kick. <laughs> not today. Literally, literally <laughs> the first kick, I'm like, yeah, now that hurts. That hurts. You know, so people don't think that you, you're banged up, and you need all your weapons, you need all your tools especially at this level, man. We're not fighting entry-level fights. We're fighting for the highest stakes. Winner moves on and hopefully achieving the ultimate goal, which is UFC gold, man. Right. And that's the name of the game. You win that, your fortunes come true, opportunities come true, and that's what it's all about, man. We're prize fighters. Yep. We fight for the prize. And the, and the bag is the pay-per-view buys, right? That's it. That's the bag. I mean, when you make it to that level. And hopefully it's a good card. Right, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, Gotta put that let's, 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 let's be honest, man. When it comes down to the business side of things, you know, you were talking today with Jamal Hill. It's like, you know, do you, do you sacrifice excitement over winning yeah. at times? And like you watch Izzy fight Yoel Romero. Might have been the most exciting fight, but I understand what Izzy was doing. It's like, dude, I'm holding on to my bag. I'm trying to get paid. I'm yeah. trying to keep this fucking belt. That's it. Right? Um, what was the next one? Pantoja versus Moreno too. This is technically the third fight because they fought twice. Oh, one on the show, fighter, yeah, and then one after that, but they didn't count the exhibition fight, which was the Ultimate Fighter. And he choked him out, or he beat him. Uh, Pantoja I, beat him, right? Pantoja won both times. I can't remember if it was a submission, but I know he won both times. Mm. Um, so this is technically part two, even though it was really three. But I'm very, very excited for this fight because I feel like the evolution of Moreno from getting cut coming back to the UFC, and yeah. the run that he's been on has just been insane. Mm -hmm. Inspirational, man. It, it really has been. And for me, I think his grappling has improved. I think he's trusting his boxing, distance management. And I think that's... And, I, you know, it's weird for me because I see these guys. This is awkward for me to say, but I feel like when you become the champ, everybody kind of wants to say hello to you or be your friend. And even though you don't even know who the hell they are, mm -hmm. but they come up to you at the PI, especially I, me and Jake, Jake and I always talk about this. I'm like, yo, this is the biggest high school club ever. Yeah. It's just a bunch of drama all the time. Oh, yeah. So <clears throat> these guys come up to me and like I see these guys and I'm talking to them, but I'm like, I'm, I feel so awkward. I'm like, dude, I train with this guy, but here you are talking to me and it feels weird because I feel like I'm 
misleading my loyalty mm. to the guys that I train with and the guys that, you know, I fuck with all the time. So it gets a little bit awkward. Um, and this going into this one, like I like Pantoja. I love yeah. his style. Throws hard, fights with big heart, takes you down. He'll take you back in a heartbeat and do the most slickest submissions and submit you. And he's fighting a guy that I really, really like, one of the nicest guys in the world, dude, the Brandon Moreno. Yeah, he's hard not to cheer like, for that dude, man. It's like, how, how am I supposed to go against Brandon? How yeah. am I supposed to pick against Brandon? He plays with Legos. Yeah, like, like, what? Die, yeah, you he know? plays with Legos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I'll, and, and I'll tell you, I, I think with, with Capitillo, his boxing has just yeah. gotten so much crisper and clean. And um, yeah, it's a very interesting fight. And I wonder how that kind of plays in to the mental factor. Like I've lost to this guy twice already, you know, is it that like Izzy Pereira kind of like, you know what, dude, I got, I'm going to, I'm going to dial in. I'm going to smoke this cat, you know? So I think it's an interesting fight. I mean, it's, it's very hard to pick. I've, I've kind of gone back and forth on that, but, um, man, I, I still kind of lean towards the champ. I, th I think he gets it done. Yeah. I, I, I'm pulling for the champ in this yeah. one. But I would not be surprised if Pantoja were to somehow get on his back, dude. And nullify and, and get it. I think if he were to get on his back. Like, I hope Brandon is working, like, sequences or have, because obviously the fight's right up um, this week. I do hope that he has put in the time to address those sequences where if he does get on his back, making sure we're going two-on-one, protecting the choking hand from right. going around the neck, making sure we're getting our back and shoulders to the to the map, trying to face our opponent, look him in the face, look to shrimp, um, either look for a leg lock, exit, or just a hip bump and get to a half guard position where you can escape. Because if you let a guy like Pantoja settle in, body triangle, that fight's as good as over. And no complacency there. You can't right? hang out. Yeah, just can't, can't hang out there, can't look up at the clock. You know what I mean? Like you, exactly what you said. It's time chin to go. down, chin down, and uh, we gotta go. Like uh, 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 you're, you are absolutely <laughs> playing with fire at that moment, right? Like you gotta go. Yeah, I, it's gonna be a good fight. I'm very much looking forward to that one. For me, I mean Volkanovski. That one's a good one. I don't wanna say that's my main event, but um, I, it's just a good fight. I guess they're all good fights, man. They yeah, really are. No. I don't wanna say that's my main event because they're they're all such good fights, especially. With 45 being a fight that I could potentially be moving up to and fighting one of those guys. Right. So, I don't know. How do you feel you match up with Volk? I'm not boxing with that motherfucker. I could box. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I call that straight in. When he watched the fight with uh, Henry and I, he was doing his watch party. He was like, mm -hmm. both these guys are calling me out. He's like, don't call me out after this. And I was <laughs> like, dude, cheers, man. You're right. Like, yeah. I'm not going to call you out after that type of performance. Like, but at the same time, it's it's that high level of a chess match between Henry and I, where it's like, that's why I felt like we looked like that. Where I felt, I do feel if we were to have fought him with those training camps going into that fight with Volk, mm. I think he would have been um, pleasantly surprised with how much better we were than he thinks. Mm -hmm. And the thing about Henry, he's so low to the ground, it's so hard to get underneath him. But Volkanovski is more of a striker than he's a grappler. Mm -hmm. I think that's the difference. And I think... The grappling that he experienced with Makachev is very different from the grappling that I bring to the table. Where Volk, not Volk, uh, Volk didn't really have to worry about the armbar attacks from off of Islam's back, uh, mm -hmm. back takes. Mm -hmm. Where I would be more comfortable going for a key lock mm -hmm. and throwing my leg over and looking for an armbar, looking for a triangle from off of my back. Yep. That's just more how much more comfortable I am with my BJJ game yeah. transitioning into those um, attacks where... Makachev was more comfortable hanging out in the back and getting punched in the face a couple times and 
um, threatening with chokes, but it's just nothing really close to looking like, oh, you might get it. No, mm. There was no point where I was like, oh, he might actually get this. You know, so I think with that being said, I think it'd be tricky for Volk to get inside and to actually land too many clean strikes. And I think my kicking would be very difficult for him to deal with. Even if he were to catch it, I would invite him to take me to the yeah, ground. That's a, yeah, I hope you catch the kick, right? Yeah, like, that's what I want. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, Was there anything that, that surprised you about Cejudo? Like, you never really broke down Cejudo, you mean? Um, the anything that surprised me about Henry was his ability to adjust in the middle of the fight. Like good or bad, or like he kept adjusting? He kept adjusting. Yeah. And I even told him after the fight when he came up to me, I was like, dude, I was making adjustments to your adjustments, and you were making adjustments to my adjustments was, to yeah. your adjustments. Yeah. And then you would readjust again, and then it was just like this chess match. Yeah. And I told Ray when we were watching the tape back, and I was like, dude, I felt like I was throwing my jab, and I knew I had the reach advantage, a sizable reach advantage, but uh -huh. he was doing such a good job of almost crashing it where I felt like I was just out of place. A couple of times I popped him a couple of good times, like, yeah, that landed hard. Right. But there was times where I was throwing and I was stepping, and I felt like I was stepping too high and too heavy where I was so over committing, mm -hmm. where he was able to get inside, and then I was kind of like in a position of bad defense. Almost kind of went Greco. Yeah, where he was yeah. able to close the distance. And even though he didn't really land anything off of that, I felt like the danger zone was very exposed where I, I don't want to have that happen too much because against a guy like Volkanovski, if he hits you with a right hand, yeah. you could be sitting on your ass oh, and staring sure. up at the lights. For you know? sure. His stance was surprising to me. Yeah. So I had Marab imitating him and JP, but my personal opinion, I don't think it was that great of a look. Right. And obviously we didn't see much tape from him since his Dominic Cruz fight. Exactly. It's hard to It's, it's hard to really hard him. to yeah. see like what he was going to do. Like yeah. Marab was more like doing this and like, uh, like kind of, I'm like, but he wasn't really like that. Yeah, no, not at so all. So it was very different. Like I could see the attacks coming when Marab would do this, and then he'll throw. Like I could see it. That was the first but thing Henry I noticed was like when he this. came out. Yeah, it was very different stance. Yeah, and his feints were money. Like they were mm -hmm. like really good. He sold it well, and it kind of kept me guessing on when I should attack because he would faint, and then he would do the same thing with that little hip twitch, and you gotta respect it. So. Yeah. I thought, knowing both of you guys, like when I think I was doing the Jackson podcast and they're like, you know, what do you think about this matchup? And I was like, dude, these two, I'm telling you, are two of the smartest fighters I've ever been around. Yeah. Right. The way you guys break down film, the way you guys see adjustments and everything else. That was my biggest thing. I was like, this is going to be an ultimate chess match between you two. Yeah. And it was, man. It, it really was. So I, I was happy about that in the sense of having the opportunity to fight a guy I guess essentially what people would say, I guess my equal in the sense of um, just just wit and approach to the game, even though he could be a little bit odd with the way that he talks and certain things, but the guy is, I give credit where it's due. The guy's a smart, smart guy. Right. He didn't if get you, there by If you accident. just take away any of the outside stuff from a lot of these fighters, yeah. if you just watch the way people fight, right, and you don't plug on an interview or listen or this or that, <clears throat> Bro, there's a lot of people in this game that you just flat out respect for the way that they fight. Hundred percent. If I don't listen to one thing Kobe Covington says and just watches the way, watch the way. I mean, I've known he's Kobe. A dog. Since, he's a dog. I've known Kobe since he was at Oregon State, right? Like he's he's a great dude if you meet him one on one. Yeah. I'm just, you know his, his antics aren't for me. <laughs> Sean's antics aren't for me. There's a lot of people, but when when you put them in the cage and you watch what they do as a mixed martial artist, it's hard not to respect, right? Yeah. You're like. You know, and then that's the thing with with Henry. Like, yeah, he might have the cringe and this and that, but dude, how do you not respect his 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 mindset for the game? 
you know, I we sent Dan Ige out there. He spent like two weeks with 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 Henry and came back with some really really good shit. Yeah, you know, and and he's he's one of those guys. He he wants to help people. He wants to see people grow. You know, that was the one thing that I've noticed about you two that had that commonality was, dude. Like when you show up to Extreme Couture, the first thing you did was help people and help people in the room and show them things and yeah. things like that. You know. Yeah, I I, I like Henry, but it is uh, it does get like. I do respect him. <clears throat> the only thing I didn't respect was him shooting both of us in the foot of, like, and I'm not saying we're using this as a negotiation tactic, but I think what he did was disingenuous in the sense of, oh, if that little pussy doesn't want to fight, I'll take the fight. And then you try to, you almost like, try to sucker me into taking something that I know I don't want to do because right. I would rather take the time because it's smarter. Right. Take the time, heal up, and get ready for, if they fight for an interim, I don't give a shit, bro. Yeah, exactly. Whoever I fight, guess what? Oh, it's the biggest payday because it's showing them. Dude, I don't care. Right. Like, I'm going to get paid regardless. It's maybe I get extra couple dollars because I'm fighting Sean. Okay, Was he up. on the same card as us in Boston? Yes. So he one of the alternate. Yeah. He was asking for that, and then he pulled out. That makes sense. So you try to do something very disingenuous and make it look like I'm being a bitch because I'm saying I need more time to heal up. When meanwhile you need more time to heal up too. We were in the same Same fight. fight. Yeah. I'm like, there's no way you're telling me you're not banged up right now, dude. I know you're banged up. Interesting. But whatever. So will Cheeto be the alternate then, if that's the case? I I don't know what they're gonna do at this point. Uh So. Yeah, the the one thing that kind of stands out to me, and and you being the wrestler that you are, is why do a lot of guys that have the Olympic or or high level NCAA wrestling always feel that their wrestling's better in the MMA space? It's so stupid. It's so ignorant. It's, it's crazy, so, it, right? It's a very ignorant thing. It's much different, you know. Even even when I grappled against RBY and people were saying, I had people tell me I was legitimately going to get teched in like the first one or two minutes of the match. Mm. I was like, do you guys think I all American at like some high school? Like, no, dude, I all American in college. I know how to wrestle. Mm. I still wrestle to this day. And yeah, whatever. But the difference between collegiate freestyle and MMA wrestling with the, u- the use of the cage, yeah. right? Like, bro, yeah. when, when Jeremy fought Aaron Pico, there's no way Jeremy's going to take down Pico. I'm like, guys, have you seen fucking Jeremy wrestle off the cage? It's much different. Very different. Very different, man. And, like, you know, obviously there was an injury to Pico after the takedown, but we, we were fully confident that Jeremy's going to be able to out-wrestle Pico in that, in that, in that space, right, on the yeah. cage. It's, it's just a very different art, and people need to stop making it seem like if because you're a BJJ black belt, you're going to come in and just do all these things and submit everybody. It doesn't work like that. It's a right. fight. Right. It's a fight. How about going back to this last card with uh, was it Brito and guys that are just going leg lock heavy, ground and oh. pound versus jujitsu or leg locks? It's like, come on, man, let it go. Yeah, he had the knee bar for a split second, and then Brito, Brito looked up at the crowd and he said, "Yo, yeah, I want to see a dead body real quick. <laughs> Check Watch this out. This. <laughs> Boom. Check this out. Boom. It's like, oh, you can hear it because it's the apex. You oh, can yeah. hear it. And I'm, I'm not trying to be like disrespectful to. Uh, I don't know what the kid's name is. Weston, I believe. Weston, okay. Yeah. Supposedly a really good BJJ guy. But, dude, have you not seen this this movie a couple of times already? I understand taking your chance, but, oh, dude, bro. after you got punched with the first one, you should have abort, abort, abort. Mayday. Yeah. <laughs> Roman would get so mad at me, Delize, because, you know, Roman's a leg lock guy. His very good leg lock guy. Very, very good. And I get on him so much because I'm like, dude, you have 
you have one or two attempts and that's it. And I want to see a transition to get back up. No coach. I submit everybody. I'm like, yeah, you do in the room. Yeah. But when it comes down to a guy in a fight and he's fighting for half his fucking purse, there's a good chance he's going to let his leg go. And it happened in the Allen fight. You know, the, the Allen's leg blew up. That and the Trevin Giles fight. Trevin Giles, another one. Like, we we're playing and that was a guy he should have beat. He should have beat. And, you know, granted, okay, you know, kind of a side note. When a fight starts, I always look at who's judging, right? Adelaide Bird was one of the judges. Now, this is no knock on Adelaide. I just know what Adelaide looks for. Adelaide's not going to be all about the grappling transitions. Not saying she doesn't know them or understand them, but she's going to favor more of the striking. Trevin was lighting us up with a jab, right? Adelaide's going to favor that. So going after the second, going into the third round, I'm like, dude, you got to stop with the the 50-50 leg transitions, right? You can beat this guy on the feet if you actually believe in it because I know which way this judge is going to actually go in the fight, right? Yeah. It's crazy. Ooh. Robert Whitaker versus... What's his first name again? Drakus. Drakus Duplessis. Duplessis. The real African sensation. <laughs> Straight from Africa. <laughs> this is Chris's tweet. <laughs> something about he's more African than me. Yeah. No, Chris <laughs> took a picture with him on Twitter. Oh, bro, it's comedy. You gotta pull it up. I, I saw, like, I got on one of his threads because Chris just goes off on Twitter all the time. Oh, bro. But um, this is a really interesting fight because. And I see Duplessis all the time at the PI whenever he comes out here early for his fights. Yeah. Super nice guy. He always says hello. And this is where it gets awkward for me because I'm like, I like Robert Whitaker. For sure, yeah. I'm going for Robert Whitaker. Right. But he's such a nice guy. They're both really nice guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, don't make me like you. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's uh, handsome as fuck. Too. Yeah, he's like, a handsome yeah, dude. Yeah, handsome <laughs> but the one thing that stands out to me with Robert Whitaker and Duplessis is that Duplessis always seems to get tired. If you get just as tired as... Derek Brunson, yeah, that is an issue. Yeah, and for me, that makes me very, very concerned going into this with uh, a guy like Robert Whitaker because I don't think Robert's gonna get tired. Yeah, it's. It, I think this fight is interesting in the fact that it's not a five rounder. Yes, it's a three rounder. That I think that favors Drikus. Yes, this, in the fact that like, dude, you don't have that four and five you have to worry about. <laughs> but I agree with you in the fact of dude like. Aesthetics and body language just looks awful when he gets tired, right? But he wins. But he fucking wins, <laughs> he bro. Wins. And and like, dude, even Brad's like, the guy's a goddamn booger. Like he's like, you know, Brad beats him in the first round, and then Drikus comes back and wins two and three because it's just like this zombie coming at you the whole time. Yeah, weird angles and like everything <laughs> that he did, we knew he was gonna do. And credit to him, man. Like he landed a big knee against Brad, shattered Brad's nose in round two, and the fight went downhill from there. So. You got to give credit where credit's due, but to me, the well-polished machine and the guy that, like, is just a, I mean, you know, I lost to both of them with Brad. Flew all the way to Adelaide, Australia for for Whitaker to knock Brad out in, like, 30 seconds. That sucked. But to me, Whitaker is 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 the talent in that division. He's the cream of the crop. Yeah. Yeah. And I know Duplessis was talking about something that was going like wrong with him health wise, mm. why he was getting tired like that. I don't know exactly his what nose, it was. Right? I think I think he had his he, nose. He said or something. something. Oh. I, I used to read into all these MMA blogs when guys would talk about it. MMA junkie, MMA fighting, uh, MMA mania, bloody up. I would go on these websites religiously just to get updates. Mm. Now I just don't have the time, bro. I'm with you. Like I don't know how people keep I, up with this I, shit. I can't. 
Yeah. I, I literally can't. Not not the way I'm training these days, and obviously doing the podcast and doing all these other things. It just it's too time consuming to just be all MMA and not have time to do anything else with your life. Um, so with that being said, like I, I saw him post something where he was talking about it. You know, they do the quotes and they they cut it out. They don't do the whole segment. They just give you like the clickbait type of stuff. Exactly. So I saw something like that. I'm like, hey, if there's something to that and he's saying that it's like better or fixed now, that's kind of scary to see what that's going to look like because yeah. he's very physically imposing. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I, I'd be – here's my thought on this fight. I would venture to guess that Rob will eventually mix a fit in and, and take him down. Yeah. Only just to tax, tax that cardio a little bit. And Rob's wrestling is very good, right? Like Rob can wrestle now. So it, I think there's some paths to victory from Rob other than the striking. Um, but if there's a hole in the game, and that's what you and I are kind of saying has been the cardio, why not test it right away and see? 100%. I'm going right after that gas tank and see right? if I go plug a hole at right? the bottom right? and just drain it. Yeah, let's see what's up. Um, but that's what I would do. But we'll see because, like I said, if he's saying that it's better now, it's going to make things very, very interesting. And he beats Rob. He's coming for Izzy's belt next. Yeah. And I'm saying, like, he's coming for his belt and he's going to win. I'm just saying he's coming for his belt. Like, he's mm -hmm. the next guy in line. You can't deny him at but, that point. And it would be interesting on to but see him who, and Sean. Yeah. I mean, who, who, you know, who does Izzy decide on, right? Like, if, if Drikas wins or even Rob, I think Rob and him, because the timeline, look, Sean, Sean just fought yesterday. There's Rob, who, if you go back and watch Izzy and Rob second fight, I mean, dude, Rob did a lot of really good things there and arguably even won that fight. Yeah, and I, I hate being that guy that's like, yeah, I think the other guy might have won. I've, I've done that with, like, John Jones. I've done mm -hmm. that with Volk and Islam. Um, a couple of other fights, but you can make the argument. If you're not being biased, I think you can make the argument. I'm not saying it's true because it's a fight. It depends on what yeah. you score more, what you favor more. It's a fight. Um, so my point is, is that Rob narrowed the gap. He very, he very much. He did. made the fight a lot closer than obviously the first encounter. The first so, fight was stupid. The first fight was bad, right? He just, if that was all emotion. Yeah, in, the, in my it. personal opinion, yeah, I agree. And uh, I give I, <laughs> I always give Rob shit because he talks shit about me going into the Yon fight, the rematch, and, uh -huh. and then when I beat him, he was like, ah, oh, I called him out on what he was saying, and then he goes, ah, oh, looks like I have egg on my face. So he was a good sport about it, but yeah. Uh, I still always break his balls about it. Yeah, dude, and, and he's a very likable guy too. Very right? nice guy. Yeah, very, very nice, nice guy. guy. But um, yeah, I think it's a very. It's he definitely narrowed the gap, and it's gonna be interesting to see how he approaches this one with a very physically imposing guy like Duplessis. Uh, he's not, not very good at any particular thing. When I watch him fight, I'm like, I don't know what this guy is good at. But one thing I can say is he's good at winning. He wins. He finds a way to win. Drikas. Drikas. Yeah, you can't deny that, man. You so, know, you can't deny that. Um. I, with that being said, I think I think Rob just I think Rob by destruction. <laughs> I really do, man. I'm leaning really towards do. Rob by decision, if I'm being honest. Because uh, three rounds, I don't know if it's enough time for him to drain Duplessis' uh, gas tank to mm -hmm. get him out of there, unless he lands one of those patented same side head kicks that he lands on lead, everybody. Lead side too, bro. He it's does beautiful. it. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Beautiful. I gotta tell you this, man. I'm in Kansas City. Whitaker is fighting Jacare, and I'm in the locker room watching him warm up. And I was actually in the in the back room, or we had this, you know, this back room. We had the same workout rooms, right? All fight week. 
So you watch, you you know, you, that's a lot. You learn shit. You're around different coaches and see different things. But I'm watching Rob land this like same side head kick over and over and over. And I never forget this watching him warm up in the back. And I just grabbed my phone it's back when he used to be able to bet. And I was like, oh, Whitaker's like plus 300. Let me throw a little, a couple bucks on old, old Robert Whitaker, old Bobby <laughs> Knuckles. And then boom catches jockery jockery bad. bad bro and this is when jockery was on that run yeah you know he was doing good so yeah i mean it's, it's funny how you'll see things in the back you're like oh, hold on one second yeah <laughs> that's happened a few times man i've had i had drew dober in the back one time and i never even knew who drew dober was watching him warm up I'm like let's slide a little bet in on this one you know yeah i read yeah. aldana had aldana in there in there one time i'm like ooh, this girl's gonna kill somebody yeah, she didn't kill the last one. Like, nah, that. nah well, you know, something, you know, sometimes. All right, who else we got? <laughs> Ooh, uh, respect to Hooker, but Jalen's, Jalen, I think is, I just think Hooker's chin has been gone for a couple fights now, hmm. and I know Jalen's gonna find it. He's gonna touch him a couple times. I'm not saying it's like his one shot; he's done. Right. But he touches him one time. I guarantee he's gonna go. Yeah. Man, I met Jalen not too long ago over at Ruka. He's huge, huge! Holy shit, bro! How do you make fifty five? I don't know. He's a he's a monster. Long ass arms. Yeah, you know, go -go he, gadget. He, he reminds me of uh the the kid I got, Zell Huber, Daniel. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, big yeah. bro. Like he's he's a big big kid. Um, another one where I felt like the Felder fight, although although Hooker won the Felder fight, and then jumps right into the the Poirier fight. Like two back to back wars, man. I wonder if the, the those, carryover, man. The carryover, right? Like, and I, bro, I'm a huge Dan Hooker fan. I love what this guy does. I love his style. Um, Shit, he beat our teammate, man. He beat Ally Quinta. Yeah, and I was pretty upset about that because the one time he actually fought technical, he beat our guy. Right. And it was funny because Al called him out on. It. He's like, he's not technical enough to beat me. He's just a brawler kind of thing. He's just a tough guy. And then yeah, Hooker took that kind of personally and. Uh, he even said it. He was like, he thinks I'm not technical. I'm going to show him. And he kicked the crap out of Al's calf just right. over and over and to the point where it, it just got bad really quick. He did a good job against that with Felder yeah. as well. And to the game plan side of things, I think how do you take away a big, tall, long-rangey guy? You have to attack that lead leg, man. You do. I do. So I, I definitely think that Dan's going to come out and try to tax that lead leg minimize the movement um use that lead leg to be able to try to close some distance on them especially through the calf right when you start getting the reaction of the leg lifting that's your opportunity to close a little distance and get inside the phone booth so i agree and i, I do think even with like his fight with chandler chandler exploited him because he would try to sit back with that long lazy jab and almost like sit and wait on that right hand mm -hmm. but chandler just hit him with a nice feint pushed him backwards and it's like he was trying to catch the time in and just put one right on his chin and yeah, dropped him. Yeah, he hit him with the step through, the brow, yeah, just right? Boom, use use boom. the right cross to hit a step over left hook. Yeah. And, and essentially end up in southpaw. But what Chandler did so great in that particular fight was he got Hooker back to the barrier and made him knew his exit, even like Jamal was talking about today, was when you have that barrier, man, like Randy Couture, the first thing he ever talked to me about was the cage is his own art. Learning how to cut the cage off becomes its own art and using the corner posts as your choke points to funnel guys into traps. Yeah. And if you remember, that's exactly where Chandler had Hooker kind of scraping the cage, knew where his exit was, and through that, that you know, ironically, 
Dan Hooker knocked out James Vick with that same punch, that same punch combination. He came, boom, boom. And stepped through with that left, yeah. that left step through over. Crazy, him, man. You know? It's crazy a crazy how the game. game is, right? And that was a taller guy, rangier guy, and he did that to him. Yep. And now you got a taller, rangier guy. And I'm not, I'm not saying Dan Hooker. It's almost like Marlon Marais. Like Marlon Marais still has the skill, but if you don't have the durability to keep up with the punishment that's being thrown your way, it, it's not much of a fight. That, that's my biggest thing is, is the wear and tear that you're talking about, yeah. right? I think Dan is probably the better technical fighter, yeah. all-around fighter. Maybe. But, I, maybe, I, cause right? Because we haven't seen too much of Jalen to go – but we've seen a lot of hookers. So I don't want to be unfair to Jalen. No, absolutely. Because oh, I know Jalen. <laughs> right. But but I mean, like, dude, and, and dude, he's a talent as well. Yes. But when you have a, a, um, a physical attribute that Jalen has, I mean, like, dude, utilizing your length and trying to get on, in, inside on this guy is going to be a tall task for Dan. Like, Jalen can just win this fight off his jab alone and just staying long, right? Yeah. So this is a very interesting fight. I I think I think it's going to be a lot closer than what the odds are saying. Um, you know, again, like Dan's very well coached. I think he has a very good skill set. You know, it'll be interesting to see what he what he tries to do. Shit, maybe even try to take Jalen down, take a page off of uh, you know, Gamrod Gamrod's, and yeah. Matt Frivola. Exactly, exactly. Um, and Hooker stunned me a little bit. He came down to Syndicate. I asked him to train with him, and then uh, he was like, "No, no, I got my guy ready." And the guy he was going with was a guy that he goes with literally all the time. I was like, hey, fine, fine, okay. Bro, he came over to Extreme and looked around the room. And, hey, look, it's about environment, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I tell him, I said, look, man, I think Max Roshkoff is your best bet as far as what you're looking for when you're fighting Islam. And he kind of fucking, you know, shunned it. And I'm like, all right, you know, I think. Max is a Max grappling is next level. Next level, bro. Especially with his takedowns, his top pressure. You can say whatever you want about his fights in the past and like, oh, he quit, blah, blah, blah. The guy, he's good at what he's good at. And like, when I say good, he's damn good at it. Yeah. Like, not for nothing, what he's done to some of the bigger guys at 70 and 185. And I don't want to say any names, put nobody on the spot, but Max is good. I'll, I, hey, I'll put him on the spot. <laughs> I've seen Max take Francis down and hold him down and keep him held down. And that's my, you know, they're both my, Max is like my little brother. Yeah. But exactly. Like what he's Max good, is capable man. of doing, dude, he's good. And especially when he gets to your back, the, the routes he has and everything else, man. So it was interesting because, you know, I think it was Frank and Hickman came in and I was like, hey, if you're looking for somebody for Islam, it's, it's Max, it's Rashkov, dude. And, and Max can give him a good look. And they're like, eh, <laughs> like, all right, good luck. It's funny because he it was Frank that he was working with. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, I like, I don't mind Frank. I know Frank is just a little bit uh, team Piotrian, so he was kind of like, oh for sure, a little snubbish, yeah, snobbish to me a little bit, kind of like turning his nose up. And I get it, it's your guy, you, yeah. you've been training with him, but I'm like, damn dude, I thought we were both Americans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, I had to put that out there. Speaking of grapplers, Bo Nickel versus Treshawn Gore is the opening. Oh. Treshawn Gore. Bo is a minus twelve fifty. Oh, that's it. Bo is a minus twelve fifty. Yeah. To win hundred, you gotta bet twelve hundred fifty. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm good. <laughs> Ain't touching it. How about Bo inside the distance? That's probably a better. That's probably a better. Say, right. Yeah, you gotta try to get him inside the distance or by submission. I bet. You know, that'd probably be a little bit of better line if you're on the Bo Nickel side of things, yeah. right? Bo is good, man, but he's a little bit smaller for the weight. You think so? When he fought, uh, who's the last guy he fought? Um, Jamie Pickett. Pickett. 
you could see the size difference uh -huh. when they're in there. Mm -hmm. When he got that first initial takedown, well, shooting for the first initial takedown, it got stuffed. And I was like, dude, when he gets to the upper echelon of this division, when guys start stuffing the takedowns, he's going to have some tough times. He's, mm -hmm. So he's got to be mentally sound where it's like, dude, if I don't get this, it's okay. I can shoot two, three, ten more times. Yeah. And if I get the takedown, it's going to be a problem for them. Mm -hmm. And I just hope he keeps his head on straight with that and keep on with his progression because, man, Sky's the limit. The sky's the limit for, yeah. for a guy like that. But I think he's at the right camp, you know. I, I think what he's when you watch his striking blending into his wrestling, like he hits that high low jab, yeah, that overhand out of the southpaw, tries to run the knee tap, tries to connect off of his strikes, right? It's not just blind shots. Um, you know, I mean Mike Brown, I think, is in his corner. He's very yeah. well coached. Uh, I don't know how much he works with Johnny Eblen, but in my opinion, Johnny Eblen's one of the best eighty fivers in the world right now. So having that kind of like that pedigree, if you will, at, at American Top Team, I think it serves him well. Who's Who's Evelyn? Johnny Evelyn, uh, Bellator champ, one eighty five. I've oh, over okay. Johnny a few times, man. This, and that's the thing with Bellator. It's like there's so much very good talent that the world doesn't know doesn't, about. Yeah, because I'm like, who is that, bro? Johnny Evelyn is a fucking beast. So Johnny I'm sorry. came out. Johnny came out and trained with us, um, and him and Sean hit it off. Like they were like, Sean loves this guy. Johnny loves this guy. Um, they've been great training partners together. We, we sent Sean out there to be a uh, Musasi when Evelyn uh, fought Musasi for the title and gave him a great look. So, so Johnny's been a, an amazing kind of ambassador guy that comes in and trains with us every once in a while, but American top team guys, my point. So yeah. Bo Nickel has, has good talent in that gym to, to learn from and, and build off of. And that's the most important, getting those looks. And if you're saying that, then I believe it that he's gonna he's gonna keep improving. They're they're build, they're building him the right way, right? Yeah. They're, they're giving him good opponents. Gore has a build. great story, but I feel almost because he lost the Ultimate Fighter. I'm pretty sure he lost, right? I think he lost the finals. Yeah, to Brian. Did he lose to Brian Battle? Brian Battle, I think so. In a close, it was a close fight. Was it? I, I know mean, there was a fight he lost. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, there's a fight that he lost. Jake, can you verify? Uh. Who's the kid from Philly? Andre, right? Petrowskis. Petrowskis. He's good too, bro. Holy shit! Is that, that who he good. fought? I don't. I think he fought him at some point, maybe on the show. Okay. But but he's good too. Yeah. So my thing was he had a crazy story with him and his his wife or fiance, and um, I think because he came up short on the show, it's almost like if you don't do what you're expected to do, the UFC now finds you expendable. <laughs> So now he's yeah, getting right. fed. Isn't it crazy how that works, bro? He's getting fed. The yeah. prospect is now getting fed to another prospect in Bo Nickel. And we obviously know who is expected to win yeah. for the UFC's plan in right. terms of developmental growth. But not saying the UFC is like, oh, there's no way Treshawn could win because if Treshawn wins, it puts him in a different stratosphere. Correct. But Correct. the UFC is expecting this one to be a good stepping stone for Bo Nickel to continue his trend upwards yeah they, i think they're giving the right opponents and yeah slowly raising the test level of them right like jamie pickett's no slouch hey nah. we're, gonna, we're gonna we're gonna raise the raise the limit of every once in a while with this guy and let's see how he does and you know i'm interested to see too hey a couple uh takedowns get stuffed what's next right like you're kind of stuck on a desert island with your striking now let's see how that goes that's what i'm always interested in seeing and i, I don't want to make it seem like like i want to see the the favorite get uh, hurt or taxed, but it's always nice to see a test. Like when you adversity, see adversity, right? Hit a little adversity. Like, how do you handle that? Yeah. And uh, you know, I've been in that boat before, where people are like, "Well, what's he gonna do when he can't wrestle someone to death?" 
I'm like, all right, well, now we get to see what I can do, like, over right. the years. So now we get to see what Bo Nickel can do if Treshawn is good enough to stop a couple of his takedowns and keep it standing. But Yeah, where does it go from there? I I, I think this might be a first-rounder. Yeah, I, I do too, yeah. I mean, you know, if you're betting on it and you, and you don't want to go Bo Nickel. In the and, distance. Yeah, play inside the distance or play by submission even, right? Like, he's showing a good submission game as well. Yeah. Um, and even like speaking on that, it's like that kid RBY. It's gonna be interesting to see how he does. Cause talking to Dominic Cruz, he was saying that he thinks is he making the transition over? He said he eventually will. Is okay. what Don was telling yeah. me. We'll see. He I was think... in the gym uh, a couple weeks ago. Okay, yeah, he's, he, he told me he's gonna be out here to the ninth. So I'm trying nice. to get him out to come down and work out maybe tomorrow and see Good. if he wants to jump in and roll a little bit, and even to just drill to kind of give him some pointers. Cause there was a couple things I saw when he was grappling Alex Perez that was like. Glaringly green, which is normal. Like, dude, you're just yeah. starting. Like, I, you sure. can't expect to come out and be a three-time national finalist, four-time All-American kind of guy. Like, yeah. right out of the gate, it takes time. It's a different sport. So isn't, we'll isn't it funny? Like, if you ever been asked a question, like as I, mean, I do as a lot as a coach, what what would you want background-wise to build off of as a coach? And I, it's dude, it's easy. It's wrestling. That's okay. It's easy <laughs> all day long. All day long. Right, like I mean, there's there's nothing better because I think it's the one like equalizer in the game. Not yeah. only that, it's like these guys know how to cut weight. These guys love the grind, and if we need to lean on it, our fastball is always going to be the takedowns and the mental toughness. Right, man. Yeah, it's crazy, huh? It's very very different, and I think a lot of people overlook that, but it's not the most fun. But yeah, it gets the job done. Yeah, it pays the bills. Yep. Bro, Robbie's fighting. Who's he fighting? Roofless. Hmm. Roofless, Robbie Lawler. Taking on. Damn, fumble in the bag. Come on, Jake. You got one job. You got to do, one bro. job over you there. Eating, eating, Hawaiian food. eating Ohana. Right? We got icon meals upstairs. I actually saw I saw this today. Come on, Jake. If I pull this up before you, dude. Uh, That's just Robbie sad. <laughs> I knew that was who it was. Ooh. Banger. You know what it is? I feel like lately Robbie hasn't been as active in the sense of activity. And I think that's been hurting him in these past few fights. Um, you saw glimpses of it when he fought Nick Diaz. Yeah. Where he would open up and throw some combinations. But mm -hmm. the old vintage Robbie Lola would just go... I'm going for you. I'm going for it. And we're throwing, like, this caution into the wind. Um, but technical still, but still throwing caution to the wind where I feel like of late he's kind of been more defensive. And we'll see how this one goes. I think Nico Price is a good enough matchup where he's not the most dangerous guy, but he's unorthodox. He does tricky stuff. And this could be a great opportunity for both guys to kind of showcase their skills against guys of equal talent. Yeah, I think it's it's got one of those like fight of the night yeah. brawls written all over it because, you know, there's an entertainment value. I think when you when you put Nico Price in a fight, yeah. like the dude is just down to throw. Um, <laughs> he's got like six kids. He told me, does he really? I think he said something crazy. Super like that. nice guy, bro. I was like, like what? Nice. How do you have six kids? I could. Can, <laughs> you, can you fact check that? But I know for sure four. I know for yeah, sure yeah, he yeah. said four. If I'm not mistaken, I heard the, the the commentators talking about it and saying how many kids he had. It's like Kai Kamaka. Yo, dude, he's got a lot of kids. <laughs> and another one on the way. Oh, my, really? Was that five? I see so many. Six. So I was right. Jeez, bro. That's Him and Kai Kamaka should just start a cult. Start a football team. <laughs> start a football team. <laughs> nuts. coming off 
What was his last one? A win? He lost to Cotto. Yeah. His last one. Okay. And then, I, and then Robbie lost to Barberini. And mm-hmm. I think I think Robbie's only win in the last like five or six has been Nick. Yeah. yeah. So he's been on a, on a skid himself. But yeah. You know, Robbie's allowed to have a skid. That dude's a oh fucking G, G dude. He was in the UFC at 18 years old. Oh, oh G, bro. Oh my goodness. You know what's funny is like, dude, one of my best friends and good buddy, like one of our, you know, he's an OG is John Alessio. And oh, I, yeah, I see him I, all the time at the Apex. Right? I forgot Alessio is still to this day the youngest fighter to ever fight for a title. 20 years old, he fought Pat Militich, bro. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. But, I mean, like, I knew John fought Militich. I didn't know at what age. <laughs> Wasn't Alessio the one that wore, the like, the, the Speedo? No, that was Dennis Hallman. Oh, okay, Dennis okay. Hallman, bro. Okay, okay. Psycho. I always confuse those guys. Yeah. It was like this pink speedo thong thing. I was like, yeah. bro, Dana was like, never again. Never again, bro. Dennis <sighs> Dennis uh Dennis Davis has some funny stories about Holman. I guess back in the Pacific Northwest, he would yeah. enter in these like amateur bouts, like anybody can fight, but he'd wear like a like a Nacho Libre mask and no one knew like he was a pro fighter at the time. Yeah. But he would enter in as this guy and he had it he had an alias and go in and just beat the living shit all his amateurs. But he couldn't enter in as Dennis Holman. Yeah. He's a pro fighter. But he'd go in there and enter into this guy and just go and smoke everybody and just leave the event, you know, but everyone knew it was Holman. Oh my goodness. That's so cold. That's so cold. (laughs) (laughs) We got any we have let's do a sleeper fight of the of the the fight card. Let's see. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't Chris have Curtis. anybody right now. Yeah. Who the hell is that? Is this a new guy, bro? Yeah, he's out of um, he's uh, he's out of Matt Matt uh Matt Brown's gym. That's cool. Yeah, he's from Ohio. Well, we I'll, I'll tell you what. So, side note, um, we we threw our name in the hat for Chris Curtis. Yeah. You know, and, and look, man, like JDM's a fucking monster. Like it's a great fight, but it's fun. And, you know, Chris's game. He just goes forward. Yeah. Yeah, man. He's good. He's good. He goes forward. But, you know, hey, you guys needed a fight. We threw our name in the hat. Uh, Chris said yes. JDM said yes. Our both sides management said yes. Shelby said yes. I don't think the UFC said yes. Like Mick or the Brass or whoever yeah. else medicine said no and turn it down. Because, you know, Chris does have a fight lined up against uh, Fluffy, who's, who's fucking great. That's in September. Um, I think Mexican Independence Day or something yeah, exactly like that. that that fight. So I don't think they wanted to risk losing Chris yeah. Fluffy and Chris, but what a fun fight that would have been, right? It would have been. You know what's crazy? I always wonder guys that fight like that and they finish their fights almost all the time in the first round. What type of sparring do you do? What does that look like? Right. I yeah. would be very curious to just be a fly on the wall and watch what that looks like. Like, how do you train? For all your fights to just end in the first round. Yeah. I, I just would like to see, because I know my style. Like, I'm a grinder. Right. Pause. But <laughs> I also know if I could get the guy out of there, I'm going to get the guy out of For there. For sure. If I get the opportunities that present themselves. Where guys like this who strike, I would imagine you have to be beating the crap out of each other to, yeah. like, have that feel of what it feels like to put the pace on somebody and if you rock somebody do you like take time and kind of wait for them to recover or do you just end the sparring session right then and there? Right. That's what I don't get. No, it's an interesting point, man. And like, you know, that was one thing too with um, you know, with with one of my guys, Ty Gorder, coming up through. Ty was four and oh with all first round knockouts. And I was, you know, although he's knocking dudes out, the the question of the unknown to me 
was always how does it look when we get into deeper rounds, right? Yes. Like that, that, that is a worry thing, I think, as a coach. So, like, even in the amateur ranks, it's, like, oh, it's okay to keep your amateur status for five or six fights to try to work out those kinks. So when you do, do turn pro, you know, if you do get in those deeper rounds, and how does that look? What's it, what does the complexion that look like? So having really combed through his, his record before, JDM, I'd, I'd venture to guess he probably gets most of his uh, opponents out of there pretty early. But yeah. those are things I wonder, man. Like, how, how does it look when you get in round two or three? Does that, that output, that volume stay the same, you know? And it's an interesting style because he's a, he's a blitzkrieg, man. He just goes. He's a marauder. That guy, when he fought Randy Brown, I thought Randy was going to be able to stay long and touch him up. And I saw him a couple times at the PI. I didn't really get to, like, watch his training. But um, the kid's – the dude's good, man. He's good, man. He's, he's a hammer. There's a lot of good movement right now in that welterweight division. Yeah. Right? Giving like, it some life. Giving some life. I mean, like – Shavkat. Shavkat. Ian Gary doing some good things. Mike Malott, right? Another yeah. guy. Like, man, he's another standout. Yeah, yeah. You know, Sean Brady. I mean, I know he lost his last fight to uh, Malau. But, I mean, dude, Sean Brady's a fucking beast. You know, there, there's some really, really good guys in that welterweight division kind of making that noise coming up through. Yeah, Holland, Kiesa. You still got Wonderboy in the mix. Yeah. Who's the um, kid that knocked Michelle out uh, uh, Kevin just now? <sighs> oh, Renat, my Renat, Renat, uh, Renat Fedek. Well, he came, out, he came out and trained with us, I think, um, I think with Dennis or Albert, one of the one of the Russian guys. He was out there with us for about, I think, a month. And, dude, he, he was good. I thought that really fight good. would have been at least a little bit of grappling exchanges. He just killed Kevin. Man, I felt bad for Kevin. I felt man. really bad. And honestly, Kevin's a well he's a he's a lightweight man. I know. I know. Dude. I know as much as he wants to say he's filling out, like all respect, I feel he has done his best work at fifty five. Yeah, the weight cut sucks. You think I like making one thirty five, bro? Yeah, man. I know what you feel like. But, yeah. dude, your weight class is 55. That, and that's a tough thing, man. I worked with Kev for a long time, and he's a personal friend of mine. I, I texted him yesterday before the fight. Like, love the guy to death. He's a tweener, right? Like, like Same. He, he's, a, he's a fucking – if 65 was a weight class, he He'd would be thrive and he would beast there, right? But um, the best weight cut I ever saw out of Kev, I think, was actually Fa'al. He hired Tyler Minton, and Tyler came in and did a very good job in managing the weight cut. And, you know, I don't know why it's Kev never used him again after that. But, like, dude, I've, I've been a part of those. The Edvin uh, uh, Barboza. We fought Barboza. You know, that weight cut. Dude, tough. And and legit, like, cost him a lot of money because he, he wasn't able to get his bonus and whatever he was taxed on. He missed weight for that? He missed weight, dude. And it was, like, by .4. But he had a great performance. He had a great performance. And and arguably beat Barboza worse than Khabib, Khabib did. You yeah. know? And, um... I mean, I don't know, man. There's a lot of history there when I when I think of Kevin because of Robert. It reminds me a lot of Fallis. Yeah. And and when the first time Kevin came to the gym, I remember Robert going, "This kid will be a champion." Like that's how much Robert felt uh, highly about about Kevin. So I'm always gonna have a soft spot in my heart for Kev because of that, you know, Fallis background. And you know, I've, I've been I've been in the wars with Kev before. Yeah. Once I've had Al get mad at me one time about Kevin Lee, because it. It was it was awkward because I was on vacation. And he called me, and uh, I think I posted a picture about Dylan Dennis. Mm. And uh, it was weird because Dennis asked me to take a picture with my phone of him and I. And I was on vacation. I was I was twisted. I posted a picture to my story. Uh-huh. And then Al called me up, and we we kind of got into it because I guess he thought like um, we kind of have like a cold. It's like us versus everybody. But mm-hmm. um, I was like, dude, I'm only like that. 
when it's time to fight after the fight, dude, I don't really give a shit. Yeah. Like, I don't, sure. it's no personal, like, you didn't talk about my mom, you didn't hit my mom, you didn't insult right. my sister. Like, right. I don't have anything like that. So we had, like, a heart-to-heart that day, and I was, I didn't know it meant that much to him in that sense, and then I kind of got it. I was like, dude, if I had known that from jump, it would have been a different, like, For sure. the way I would have went around navigating through things. So yeah. I feel like that made us closer. But it's just so funny, because him and... Kevin, I feel like they're gonna be arch nemesis for the rest of their lives. <laughs> oh, dude! I mean, I mean, and, and Al's always been great to me, but I can always feel that vibe from Al too. I mean, I think if you corner against a guy or you're no, he's side, like that, dude. Like, man, fuck this dude. Yeah, no, but Al's. I mean, even since then, I think Al's always been great to me because I, look, dude, for me, it's business. Like, I, I, I have no problem with you. It's not a personal thing with me, but some guys have to feel like that. Like you're trying yeah. to take something away from them. But I go to Kevin's house, and I think it was Khabib. Might have been Khabib Connor. Anyways, we just beat Barboza. And we all go to the house to watch the fight. And Kevin is adamant that the next fight be Ally Quinta. And at that moment, we're like, we're ahead of Al in the rankings. It didn't make any sense for him to fight Al. It was a he trap just, fight for he him. He just wanted that one back. He wanted that one back. <laughs> he did, bro. And, and I'm like, I'm trying to talk him off of it. It just, the fight didn't make any sense. And I thought stylistically... It was a tough fight. It was a tough fight, man. And like, you know, he ends up, we end up being out. And I'm like, okay, great. We got to wrestle. We got to wrestle a lot, you know? Same Al. And first round, Al wins the first round. Kevin takes him down in rounds Gets two and back. three, takes the back. It was an insane fight, man. It was a really good fight. Round four, Kevin essentially takes off, right? Dewey and I get in the corner in round five, and Dewey and I are both like, dude, we need this round to win. And Kevin's like, I'm up three, three to one. Like, no, you're not. It's two, two going into five, bro. Nope. I'm up three, one. And, and I'm like, bro, you're not. And he's like, I don't want to hear anything else. I'm like, all right, motherfucker. Good luck. And you saw the rest of the way the fight played out, man. So, you know, yeah, I was a dog, man. And I, I always told Jacob, like, if you were there to just be in the room and see if the walls could talk, and tell you about the wars that have gone in in like uh, that gym of him sparring with Pat DeFranco, him and Johnny Bowman, him and Michael Chandler, and all these other guys. It's just Joey Colon, like the, the the fights that he had. I do feel like a lot of his best days have been left in the gym uh, because of the, the the knee injuries that took a lot sure. of out of him, and uh, even trying to get back to the fight. I feel like he's had to deal deal with a lot, and he's like he's like one of the best guys in the world, like. It's like he's super his heart's in it, you know? Like mm. he's in it all the way. And that's what I respect about him. And I'm I'm the same way. Like I'm emotional about it, man. Right. But like I didn't know where we both stood in that sense of um how serious we took it. Like I didn't know we were like taking it to the grave. Like yeah, I was like, damn yeah. dude, I didn't know it was like that. Now no, I yeah. now I know. Like, thanks for letting me know. Cause yeah. he was like, he was kinda like, everyone I have a problem with, you're like friendly with. But I'm not in the same weight class. So right. Mike Perry. Right. Dylan Dennis. Then Kevin Lee. I'm like, dude, it's an, it's not intentional. Don't don't yeah, think I'm like out here trying to befriend all of the guys yeah. that you have beef with. It's not like yeah, that. Like, but you gotta appreciate a guy like no, Al, where it's like, you know, that motherfucker will take a bullet for you. Yeah, you know, 100%. You got that mentality to him, and you know what it is. What it is like, dude? It's, it was hilarious when when Dan fought Calvin Cater. I'm super close with Tyson Chardier. Like we're like we talk, you know, three four times a week, and I'm close with Calvin and those guys. Like I, I, we're all friends. But when Dan was fighting with Cater. We got to the, and this is in Fight Island, I think, you know, the first Fight Island card. And we get to the airport, and I see him. 
And I was like, what's up, man? Go to give him a hug. And I got cold shoulder by, by Tyson. He's like, nope, like, can't talk to me. I'm like, what? Really? <laughs> like, you and I aren't fighting, asshole. Like, yeah. I don't care. Like, it's a fight. But that energy and vibe, like, Cater's like, we're not fucking friends with these dudes. And I respect that. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely respect that. You know, so after the fight was over, you know, Cater doesn't even go over and say anything to Tyson. Those guys, he runs over to the cage and gives me a big old hug. He's like, dude, I love you, bro. I'm sorry. Like, I didn't mean to be a dick. I'm like, dude, I get it. I understand. I'm just a friendly guy. So Yeah. And uh, when Al and I spoke about it, like, he even mentioned, like, when I was on vacation with Rebecca, I had to step out. I didn't have international minutes. He was like, bro, I'll pay for your fucking minutes. It's the phone. (laughs) (laughs) It's the funniest thing. I was like, dude. Back when we were broke. I'm like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So to me, I didn't think nothing of it. I was like, you know what, bro? I'll pay for them. Like, if this is that important to you, then this has to be something that needs to be addressed. And then we spoke, and um, uh, he was like, dude, when you were fighting Cody Stamen, and uh, I didn't know I could be cool with Crookshank because he was cornering him, and, you know, I was being weird with him because, you know, you're my boy. And I was like... I did. I didn't know it was like that. Like, yeah, for sure. I wish we had this conversation beforehand so yeah. that we can kind of have known like how we're approaching this fight. We was like, dude, I don't care if you talk to these guys. At the end of the day, this is what I have to do to to flip the switch so that I can go fight this guy. Yeah. And after it's all said and done, it's like if you win, I lose, um, or I win, you lose. And life goes on, man. It's, yeah. it's like, but to like beforehand, it's like, all right, this is to the death. To the death. But it's just yeah. me and him. It's yeah. not. Okay, my coaches can't talk to this guy, blah, blah, blah. And I explained that as well. So it was like we had a better understanding of each other and how we yeah. approach it. I'm like, dude, I, I didn't know that that's how you took it. For sure. And that's not what I wanted to make you uncomfortable with the guy you were on the ultimate fighter with. Right. Like this is obviously a guy you have history with, right. came to the gym before and trained with us. Like I, I didn't want to make you uncomfortable like that. My bad. Like I had no idea. Yeah. But after we spoke about it, I, I felt like it, it made our bond a lot closer because yeah. now I understand out from a different perspective right. you know so that's why it's always funny i'm like i like kevin but i feel like i can't get that close with him because if i do al's gonna be like why are you hanging yeah, out with yeah, him I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like yeah dude, he's not a bad guy i think yeah. and i even told him i was like dude i think honestly you guys would get along with each other isn't that funny it's just that you guys fought each other twice and yeah i do think you guys I, would get along with each other. I, I, like like how many people hate sean strickland and i'm always like to, to like kevin holland like, I swear to God, you guys would get along if you actually just yeah. let that opportunity happen. 110%. You guys would get along. You'd be the best training partners ever because you both are dogs. <laughs> you love it. And there's a, Kev's like, man. I remember one time Kev's like, man, I fuck with Sean, though, but I can't let him know that I like him. <laughs> I was like, oh, dude, come on, Kev. Like, this dude, like you guys would get along, you know? So I was it's like, no, nah, I can't see it. Yeah, I can't see it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, dude, I'm just telling you. Like, I know both of you guys. You obviously a lot deeper, and I'm like, I think you guys would be actually really cool with each other. Yeah, that's funny, man. And Kevin's got a mentality who's like when he's about to fight, he's the same way. He's like, For sure. fuck everybody. Yeah, fuck everybody. And I was the same way. So it's like, I'm doing, I'm like, dude, you guys are more similar than you actually realize. Yeah. But I'll just like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's uh it's all good, man. But yeah, I just I felt bad how that fight went. I thought it would have been a lot closer. Jake called it, he's like, dude, I, I just think it's gonna be very one sided. I said, nah, Kevin Carrasso, bro. And yeah, he got hit with that right hand, and that was like the beginning of the end. Yeah, it was the beginning of the end. He snuck it to the inside too. Yeah, like he, he, I felt defensively. He was kind of like reaching for it, huh? Yeah, instead of at least shelling or sh- uh, like. Yeah. I mean, it was a good shot, like well timed, one yeah. two down the middle. And what can you do? It, it, to me, it was it was a very good litmus test for both guys at the moment, and then Renat came out and did his thing, you know? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, now for Kevin, I think he's 0-3 at welterweight. I, we lost to RDA at welterweight. Rodriguez. Um, yeah, Rodriguez, that was the one, yeah. But he looked good until he got tired. 
he did you know and again like sometimes i think the fight iq and the situational awareness gets gets away from kevin in that particular fight i know kevin took uh d-rod down in the first round and d-rod checked his ego a little bit he's like oh are you just gonna wrestle fuck me this whole fight and kevin want to try to knock him out in round two and three played in a d-rod's game you know so yeah. sometimes it's just not really about the ego it's just about getting two paychecks <sighs> Fight game is interesting, man. Right. A lot of psychological warfare that goes on in the yeah. middle of that octagon that people don't know about. But we we got anything else for you, Jake? There is one more sleeper fight. Alonzo Manfield versus Jimmy Drew. Oh, is that a draw? Oh, that's a rematch. Yeah. yeah, was that a draw the last time? That it was, it was, was a rock wild bro. fight, bro. That shit was Holy nuts. Holy shit, that fight was wild. Draw. It was a draw, draw, huh? I think I remember Crew coming out heavy and and then all of a sudden it was Menafield turning the tides, bro. <laughs> yeah. It was nuts. And it was fucking Menafield trying to kill that man. <laughs> yeah, and then dude, I love like I love that Pat Barry's like coaching Menafield now. Like like he's a psycho and those dudes are just screaming. And yeah. like, oh my god. Pat Barry after I went, he just sent me a selfie of him saying of himself, just like that's awesome. <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah, man, dude. Uh, Menafield's a like he's a specimen. Yeah. Right, I I don't know. Like, that's a crazy fight. I don't know. That's it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be another crazy fight. But I can coin. see Menafield just if he lands that early on. I don't know if Jimmy Crew could weather that storm again. Yeah, that's a hard storm. That's a that's some tough waves to to try to cruise through, man. That's yeah. that ain't easy. And and Crew's a guy that like a couple tough breaks here and there. But I mean, dude, that that kid's really really t- good, really talented. You know, yeah. The the Anthony Smith fight comes to mind where the with the perennial nerve right he gets kicked in the leg right away and then was able to shoot a takedown and, and complete the takedown but then the fight was over because he couldn't walk anymore right yeah like after that first round so a couple tough breaks here and there and i think what jamal hill fight right he's talking about it today hit him with that check hook you know yeah uh damn jamal hill is good <laughs> yeah yeah he's a beast man so that's all the, that's all the big yeah, so I, I, this is gonna be a great card. I'm looking forward to. I'm gonna be at International Fight Week. I don't, are you gonna be there as well? I don't know. You know how it goes. Everybody, every once in a while, it's like one of those. Hey, I got a ticket. Come down. Whatever. Okay. So, okay. You know, they only gave me two. They they never really give me any more than that. It's usually one or two. That's the days now, man. Back yeah. in the heyday, it was ten. You know, they used to hook yeah. it up before it was. Uh, Thankfully, it was we get two. And I know I'm only getting two because I'm the current champion. Normally, it would just be one. I'm sorry, that's all we can do for you. But yep. I'm I'm very blessed and fortunate for it. So definitely, thank you to the UFC, yep. Amber Joan. Um, very much appreciate that. Uh, I don't think I'll get a ticket from Ali this time. <laughs> nah, not after the main event. Sorry, Ali. <laughs> sorry, brother. Sorry, brother. There's nothing I can do. Nah, for you. sorry, brother. Ali loves you, man. He's yeah. Um, I'm gonna be doing two fan experiences. I think three. Actually, I'm doing the DraftKings desk on Wednesday. And I think Friday and Saturday I'm doing two fan experiences, nice. and then I'm doing Planet 13. So if you guys know what Planet 13 is in Las Vegas, it's a dispensary. Um, I'm gonna be doing that appearance I think at like six or seven p.m. So I'm gonna get my training in in the morning, um, and then I got that experience with the fans with the UFC, and then after that I got that uh, Planet 13 appearance as well. So nice. we're gonna be booking, man. Yeah, bro. If you need I'd any love, treats, let it, me man. know. No, let me know. I got some treats. I'll not get some my treats. wheelhouse, man. I'll drink the rum, but. That Planet 13 stuff, man. It's dangerous? Dangerous territory? I tell you what, man. I took one two nights ago and it was the best sleep. I've I, f- I took one at like 4 30. I fell asleep and passed out on the couch while on the phone with my fiance around six. I didn't wake up till midnight, about 12 30, bro. Oh wow. 
And then I woke up, I saw all these missed messages, I texted everybody, and then I got off the, I, <laughs> I went back to bed probably like around 1.30, but it was the most sleep I've gotten. I felt like it was the best recovery really? I've had in a very long time. Because obviously I came from Miami, my boy's bachelor party. Yeah. I trained out there, like yeah. I'm being responsible, making sure I'm getting my training in first before having some goat how, time. How was goat shed? You have fun over there? It was cool. He wasn't there because he, oh, he was at one of the fights oh, that's right. in Jacksonville. For but it's got a cool environment. Yeah, like, those guys like, are nuts, it's, it's gritty, bro. It's it, very gritty. Yeah. And I, I kind of like it. I was like, oh, this reminds me of the day, the back in the days when I was sleeping at the gym and 100%. waking up and training and 100%. just doing all kinds yeah, of crazy dude. shit. I, I liked it in there. I like that I liked that vibe. I like that mentality. You know, they're hungry, right? They, they, they have that energy about them. And I think it seems doing some good, good things over there. Yeah, I want to go, and hopefully after this fight, I could go down there and pay back the favor of them taking me in and uh, um, their guy Freddie holding pads for me and whatnot for free and all that. So I, I want to go back and maybe do like a seminar for them and just, I, I just like to help people that help me, you know? So yeah, at the end sure. of the day, pay it forward. Like I had a lot of people who helped me on my way up and if I could pay it forward to the next generation or just share some of my knowledge, I think that goes a long way, and um, it, it's, it's just something I enjoy doing, just from a coaching standpoint, um, a teaching standpoint, because I went to school for teaching, so right. to be able to go back and do something like that, I think it would just make me feel good internally. You and know, it, so. it has a ripple effect that sometimes you don't even yeah. understand. Maybe you being there brings 10 people in that never been there before, and it, it makes them sign up. Yeah. Right. So that ripple effect that you might have just by showing up really might might do them a big favor. It'd be cool. Yeah. So and I like Miami. It's not yeah. a bad place. It's oh, not yeah. a bad place to be. So <laughs> I'll talk to Asim about it. And uh, yeah. So I mean, other than that, man, hopefully we get this rum company up and going. Man, I can't wait to have these samples for people to try. I'm telling you, no gas. This is gas. This is gonna be some really good quality stuff. And we had the other stuff, but it was mixed with like Venezuela, Barbados. So it had been more of a Caribbean rum versus mm. a straight up Jamaican authentic rum. So this one's going to be straight up Jamaican. The first batch that we do, we want to make sure we do that. It's going to be a limited edition. And um, even one of my best friends who does not drink at all, he says, dude, when you get yours, he's like, I'm going to have one with you. I was like, bro, that, that makes me feel good because he just appreciates everything I've done for him. My boy Enoch, um, love that guy. Uh, so it'd be cool to to have him just celebrate with me in the terms of a launch of something that's going to be very big for my career outside of fighting. Yeah, like it's been cool, for a little while now. Very, very big, yeah. man. We've been we've been trying to get this going for a bit. Um, Jake tried it. I, I tried had some other people trying the stuff and just make sure we're not being biased about the taste. And that's the most thing I'm proud about. And of course, keeping authentic to the Jamaican roots. Uh, and then one of the things I talked to the guys about is like. What do you guys not like in Jamaica about other rums? And it's like, you can't call Jamaican rum that's not 100% Jamaican, uh, Jamaican rum. So I was like, all right, done. That's it. That's some good stuff, bro. Can I say, very proud of you. Uh, I'm very honored to be a part of your, you know, your circle and everything that you've accomplished, like from the outside perspective, right? Like just being a fly on the wall and being around, seeing some of those small things, but especially, um, you know, being in the crosshairs of that first yawn fight. The way you carried yourself, man, like it was an honor to be a part of. And, you know, I tell people all the time, like when you when you come into the gym, you don't have to really talk to Aljo, but just watch him, watch the way he works, watch the way he carries himself and do all those things. And, you know, you've really held that that championship mantra very highly. Uh, it's an honor to be a part of and, and just just be a small, small part of that journey with you, man. It's been an honor. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Thank bro. you for sure. Uh 
so much more to go, man. I'm 33. 34 next month. This is crazy. Old fart, dude. Yeah, I know. I got a couple more good ones in me left, man. So uh, I really do hope to put on some of the, the best performances that I can coming forward with the next few fights and hopefully riding off into the sunset with a lot of goals and everything accomplished. And uh, hopefully we leave a good mark on the sport for you, for myself, for like others following the footsteps, others that are watching us. Um, kids that are aspiring to be future coaches or future athletes. It's uh, it's a lot that goes into this, man. So I hope you guys are paying attention. There's a lot of sacrifice that goes into this. It's not just an overnight success. I've been at this since 2011, 2010 as an amateur while I was wrestling in college as a full-time college student. Mm -hmm. But I knew what I wanted to do. Yeah. And that was, that was this. After I was done, I was like, I'm going to get my degree, but this is what I'm going to pursue. And thankfully, it all worked out. And... Here I am a couple of years later, or a lot of years later. But right. hey, there's no off-seasons, right, in this there's game. There's no off-seasons no off at all, man. man. It is. You know, especially if you're getting into coaching. Yeah. Just, just know you're going to miss a lot of birthdays, soccer games, you know, yeah. uh, re dance recitals, all those things, man. There is no off-season for us. So. Yeah. So, on that note, guys, thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Eric, for pulling up. Dude, my it's pleasure. Been a, been a time. It's been a long time we were talking about doing this, so finally we get to do this. <laughs> And uh, I appreciate you guys always tuning in. Don't forget to drop a comment. I'll make sure I get back to you. So I thought it would be fun to hear, um, like, how did you get into coaching? Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Cool. Um, how I got into coaching, man, like, I always en envisioned myself coaching at some capacity. Um, I really thought it would be football. You yeah. Know? <laughs> um, I, I, coached, I coached football. My, my uncle – was the you know when I got out of college, my uncle was the head coach at a, at a high school here. He brought me on and started. I ran the the passing scheme for his high school, and you know uh, he was he was there for o only a year. We made the playoffs, and then he, he he's just was a tough dude to get along with, right? He ended up getting fired by the principal, you know. So um, I, I was out of a coaching job after you know pr pretty much my first year in, in football. And, you know, being being that my dad was out here for 35 years in the school district, I could have jumped on another team and, and coached and done some other things. But, um, you know, I stepped into Extreme Couture 2006, you know, and it really was for no other reason other than just I wanted to be around better people. That was really it, man. Like I didn't I didn't like where my life was going. I didn't like who I was hanging around. Um, I felt like it was it was predicated on, on the Las Vegas nightlife and. I knew that I needed to kind of have that that change of scenery, if you will, right? Like check your surroundings. The people that I was hanging around weren't bad people. Yeah, I'm just talking like <clears throat> consistency was like, hey, let's go out and drink, let's go out and do this, let's go yeah. out and gamble, let's go out, you know, to clubs. And they're all great people, but I just felt like it was I was slipping down that Vegas path. And then, you know, I stepped into Extreme Couture, and you know, I met Mike Pyle, I met Jay Haran, you know, I met Randy and and, and Dennis Davis, and I felt a part of something bigger you know and i felt like this is just where i wanted to be and as time went on um you know it was actually jay haran jay jay pulled me aside and, and you know i was training every day and we we're doing everything every day and i was working at night and jay pulled me aside and i remember I never forget this i can see it so so clear he sat me on the side of the boxing ring he's like he's like bro what do you want to do you you, you gonna want to fight pro like because there's no amateurs at the time there's no tough enough yeah you want to yeah. turn pro you want to do this you want to do that and I really didn't know what it wanted to do, but I was like, I, I was like, Jay, I, I feel like I want to coach a little bit. And he's like, dude, 
I think that's your path, man. Like you, you got an eye for the sport, you know, and I, I would always have this like, uh, what would the word be? I guess like imposter syndrome because I didn't have pro fights, you know? And I was like, well, how am I going to tell these guys this if I didn't, if I actually wasn't in there, you know? And he's like, dude, it doesn't Ray, matter. Ray was the same way, you know? Now, I'm not saying how he felt, but he, right. he actually never fought himself, but yeah. he sparred and he trained. Yeah, of course, same, man. Same thing. And, and same, like, dude, I was brought up through Extreme Couture, and that's what I did. So I I was offered to fight Ryan Bader at one point. <laughs> yeah, dude, that dude would have <laughs> murdered me, right? Um, Dennis Davis was on a card, a local show here in town. It was at the Riviera. And his, the promoter came in to check in on Dennis, and Dennis and I were, like, main training partners. Like, I, I was huge, but I was, like, 230 pounds. But Dennis was coaching all the day classes, and then I, he didn't have a car. He couldn't drive. So I would drive Dennis like to practice, to practice, and things like that. So Dennis and I trained a bunch. So this guy comes in and checks in on Dennis, and he's like, hey, man, do you want to fight? Like, I'll pay you two grand to fight this guy, Ryan Bader. And I'm like, I know Bader. Like, I played, fo he played football at, at McQueen. Like, he was a year younger than me or something like that. Oh, I'll ask my wife, right? And Annie's, like, this pregnant with McKenna. Like, she's ready to pop. Right? McKenna's 15 right now. And, um, and Annie was like, are you out of your fucking mind? She's like, no, you're not fighting Ryan Bader for $2,000 and get your neck broken, which he would have murdered me, you know? But I was like, oh, I don't know. Maybe go out and fight. Who knows? Whatever. And she's like, absolutely not. And I think a lot of that really had to do with more of the business sense for my wife because, you know, at the time, if you weren't in the UFC, you weren't making good money. And that wasn't even good money. Yeah. Guys are making like eight and eight right they weren't making great money at the time like gray maynard fought frankie i think for the title dude was like 30 and 30 like, I, i'm not don't quote me on that but yeah but I, I just i just remember gray i just, just i know it was a different time back then. it was a different time back then so financially for me it, it, it didn't make a lot of sense so um getting into the coaching it, it for me just really i guess fit my my ethos my ideologies and um man i i, I love what i do i absolutely love what i do i i pull up to work every day and I pinch myself and go, dude, like this is, this is pretty cool. Like I was literally like changing the, the, the urinal fucking thing. And I'm like, I'll do this if I have to have this type of job. Like if I get to be able to do what I love and be around people like yourself and you know, you and I always laugh. And I, I told you that one time, like there's, I, I call them get twos and got twos. Yeah. Like I get to coach guys like yourself. And then there's guys you've got to coach. You just, you have to, because you need to make, make that extra money. Well, I'm, I'm happy to say, like, I'm at a point now in my life where, like, I get to pick and choose who I get to coach, you know? So I love where I'm at, and I love the job that I have. No, that's amazing. That's cool. Uh, I thought, uh, is there any crazy stories you have in the back room, like, with any of your fighters that are, like... Like, fight day back yeah, home? Yeah, like... <laughs> oh, like, man. Like, wild stories. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a good question, bro. <laughs> I hate to I hate to put this guy on blast, but I mean you don't have to say his name if you don't uh, want to. But if, if you want to, it's fair game. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to put his name out there. But um, there was an there was an avid vomiter, like like he would get so much anxiety and and be so anxious before fights, and he would just start dry heaving and throwing up before a fight and like big fights too, you know. And then, then you you know wasn't sure if he wanted to fight or if he could fight, and you'd have to like talk him off the ledge and. Send him on out there and fight. And he, would, and he was very successful. He's a very, very good fighter. But he had this, like, anxiousness about him. And, you know, you'd have to calm him down and get him out there and go do his job. And, dude, the dude was pretty good. You it's know? not the guy that beat me, right? Might have been. Yeah. <laughs> Might have been.
Uh, no. Aljo wouldn't fuck me for a while, bro. Yeah. Like, I always see Aljo. I was like, man, you don't talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I still can't believe I lost to that guy. And then the last one was, like, who's the most exciting fighter that you, like, coach, like, fight day? Who has the most exciting? Who's, like... The most exciting guy to watch fight. The most exciting guy to watch fight. That you that you coach. Okay. I mean, you can you can make an argument for any of them. I mean, you really can. I would say the one that you're just most in awe of is obviously Francis. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's my pick. <laughs> it's there's a there's a there's a, as close as you're ever gonna get to a Mike Tyson effect. That's what I was thinking. The the way, the way the crowd, the energy. Um, his demeanor is, is is second to it's just it's just different, bro. Like you feel like this motherfucker's just about to take a nap. Like he ain't even like, eh, whatever, dude. I'll just go out there and just touch this guy and he's gonna go to sleep. <laughs> I'll never forget um COVID, Jacksonville, right? The first f- like sporting event in the world in 2020, Jacksonville, right? He's fighting Jarzinho. I thought that was it. And then Dominic Cruz fought. Henry Cejudo. Yep, and then Gaethje and, and and Tony were the first fight or the main event. Yeah, we're walking, and you know I cornered I cornered Francis for JDS, then we had Jarzinho, and there's just there's a there's a calmness about him, and the the best metaphor I can give you is like, you you see those drone footage of like a great white shark and he's just fucking cruising, and then all of a sudden when it hits something it goes. And he just got this like calm, easy, chill demeanor. And we're walking to hit the curtain. And here's Jarzinho is, is facing the curtain, ready to get, you know, all right, we're walking, fine. And we're coming this way. And I see Jarzinho look over and he looks back and just looks down. And you can just see like he's like, oh, fuck, dude, I got to fight this guy right now. And then we get in the cage. And then there's another like, he like one of those where he gets in the cage and like they're both listed as six four and Jarzino's not six four and I don't think Francis is six four I think Francis is probably more like six five six six, and then you just hear that fucking pin drop because there's no crowd bro <laughs> yeah. there's nothing it's just right and then you can see Jarzino like oh dude like I'm gonna fight this guy right now, it wasn't the prettiest or most technical by all means but when that punch landed it sounded like a goddamn shotgun went off and there's no one in the no one in the arena bro it was eerie it was so eerie so like watching that man fight and when he lands that punch and it lands clean dude it's just it's just different it's just different to be around Trasini was like kickboxing with him and then Francis was like, just it looked like he got annoyed. It's it was like, exactly okay, playtime is over. Kick me inside leg kick one more time. Woo, woo, beak. Yeah. I was like, oh, that was bad. Spun him like a top. So funny side note, you know, Jarzinho called him out after he beat over him, right? Yeah. Remember that? And you know, I'm I'm I get a little energized, I get a little hype in the corner, and I was I was fucking happy for my guy. And I jump up and I was like, go look at that motherfucker. He asked for that shit. And Francis thought I was mad at him that he didn't go check on him because he was dead. And he thought he's like, and he's like, if you see Francis, I'm like, oh, I'll go, I'll go check on him. You know, and he's like, he's like petting him. He's like, hey, sorry, I killed you. You know, I'm like, no, fuck him. And then I realized, like, dude, there's no one here. 
everybody can hear me yell this. I'm on a hot mic with no crowd. I'm like, oh, bro, my bad. My bad. So, yeah, man, it definitely definitely Francis is uh, is a crazy one to go watch fight. Yeah. I, yeah. That's – Francis is scary, man. Yeah. He is a scary dude. 